0: Full of hope. I've got the urge to walk the prairie and chase the antelope. Aspen's gold, on smoke calf, takes the elk, call me away. I can't keep my mind on working on this fine September day. I've got Nimrod Nero longbows on frame. I'm a track
1: podcast back we at it. What's going on, Bob the Bill Hunter.
2: How much, buddy? What's up, Tracker James. <laughs>
3: ah,
1: yeah, we're going to get into some of that for sure. Um, you got yourself some of those tags we were talking about uh, on the last intro, your uh, Nevada yeah. Mule Deer tags?
2: Yeah, we got some tags. So, Got a couple Mule Deer tags this year, and a couple, well, three elk tags counting Oregon, so a couple months here, it's going to get real busy, so that's good.
4: Yeah.
1: Yeah, like I said in the text, I really don't feel sorry for you, Bob.
4: (laughs) Yeah.
2: Uh, Well, hopefully, I can hit him with the dang longbow this year. So. Oh heck yeah! You're gonna
1: you're gonna you're gonna shoot right through him. Short blood trails, buddy. Yeah. Awesome. So uh, now that you're like this big, mighty desert hunter, like is tracking a big part of the game for you?
2: uh, Tell me
4: about that.
2: You know, not really. Uh, I did it a little bit last year. I think I called you when I was trying it um, early in the season. It got really hot down there, and so I messed around with a little bit. I did track a bull and for a couple miles and jumped him out of his bed, and it was just too thick in there to get a shot. So something I'm definitely going to try a lot more of this year. You know, I do pay a lot of attention to, to the tracks, you know, not necessarily tracking them, but you mm-hmm. know, the desert water's kind of key, and so it's pretty easy to roll around to the waters and see where the elk are. So,
1: yeah, for sure, that all of that's kind of ringing a bell um, on this uh, podcast that you'll hear us talking about. Um, we have uh, Brian McConnell and Preston Taylor from CyberTracker. Um, and we are in bear camp in this podcast. Uh, you're not there, but we uh, get into, uh, basically the first half of the podcast, we really break down what cyber tracker is and what that means. And, and, um, then we get into our spring bear hunt and some of the stuff I learned on this hunt was like, it's really easy to get like OCD on like, you know, if you're hunting blacktails with a tree stand and you're just all in on the tree stand, or if you're hunting, you know, pronghorn on a water hole. And you're just all in on that or, or, you know, spot and stock uh, bears and clear cuts or whatever. And, and i I seen with like, even the, uh, Preston, who's really into trailing and he wants to just trail down everything where, or, or Brian, who's just a very, very seasoned hunter I was like, yeah, trailing is, should always be a part of the game. Uh, don't discount ambushing and still hunting and spot and stalking because, and, and, you know, your, your tracking and trailing are related to all of those. I mean, you track and trail into, into good areas when you're deer hunting to find a place to ambush a deer, or you screw up a spot and stock and you use tracking to figure out where they went to see if you can get a second chance or you're still hunting until you find that sign. And so it's it's, it was definitely a a, you know kind of an eye opener to to keep all options open at all times.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it can it can uh, it's pretty easy. I mean, the tracks lead you to the animal, so that's all you got to do,
1: right? Yeah, but at the same note, I think it's it really is a lost art. Like, you know, you hear guys talking about tracking, and it's always after the shot you know, after the shot, blood trailing. Um, you don't hear so much about guys just picking up some sign and, and wandering into the animal. And like you said, like you tracked into that bull and then it's just so thick. And that was our experience in bear hunting was um you you trail into these bears and they go into stuff that you can work through, but then they go into stuff that you just, it's impossible. You, know, you just cannot go into it. And that that's, uh, you know, often where the, the trail ends.
2: So I'll just tell the little tracking story of mine just because uh, it was that, so I had, I'd been hunting a couple different areas and there was a few waters in those areas. And, you know, it was early in the season, the elk weren't talking, it was really, really hot. And so I actually went in, my plan was like, I'm going to go in um, and brush out all the tracks because there's a road that went right by these waters, you know, they were kind of watered at night. And so my plan was I'll go in, brush out all the tracks that, you know, late afternoon and then I'll come back in after the next morning, you know, so kind of like midday the next day. And so then I'll know the elk were in there that night, you know, so they've got to be within, you know, a few miles and I'll track them from there. So
1: Hundred percent.
2: I went through, and I there's like four or five different water holes. You know, I kind of did this big loop, like probably twenty mile loop. I actually took the broom, <laughs> took a broom, and I just out there brushed all the tracks. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. And uh, well, I came back the next day and I checked like the first five spots, and there was no new tracks. And I'm like, son of a gun, I guess this is, you know isn't going to work. Well, then I got to the last one, and by then it was getting kind of late. It's like four in the afternoon. And I actually jumped, there was a bull at the water, you know, right off the road, you know, as I was going to check this track or, you know, check four tracks and it took off and I'm like, oh crap. Well, I mean, there's some tracks. <laughs> so, and it was getting toward the evening hunt time and it was a really good bull. So I got out and I just, he had some cows with him that he'd split off from and I figured he would join back up with those cows. So, you know, I parked and I hiked up in there and it was really good sandy you know, tracking conditions, and I just, I got on his track and followed it and followed it and followed it, and then I could tell where he, you know, after about a mile, he slowed down, and I'm just like, this is perfect, now it's getting to be evening, he's going to meet back up with these cows, he's going to be uh, sidetracked with them, and I'm going to slip right in, and so I, I wasn't thinking, you know, I, we, we worked our way up into these canyons, and it got really thick, and I wasn't thinking he's was going to bed down, I mean, it's evening, you know, elk are supposed to be at least starting to rut, you know, and that's when it got really thick, and, and you know, if, if I would have been thinking about that he was gonna bed in there, even that would, would have even crossed my mind. I would have started then, kind of circling around some of that thick stuff, and you know, getting off his trail a little bit, because I thought about mm-hmm. it. I I had an arrow knock because I I he started when they get in that thick stuff, and they start you know. They're not going in a straight line anymore. They're picking, you know, like milling around. I, like subconsciously, I, I I was thinking about that, but then I was like, "Oh, he's not going to bed down." You know, what are you thinking? And so I started being a little more cautious, and then phew, jumped him up, and he stopped right there, probably fifteen yards. But there was much stuff in the way, and, and uh, off he yeah. went. You know, but it was it was super cool, and it's something I'm definitely gonna going to try more this year early in the season just because if nothing else it's so much fun i mean i i'm not a big glasser it's boring i mean you know i know you got to do it and it's very effective and and uh you know it it works but man it's so much more fun just to get out and track an animal for miles it's just awesome you get to see where they go and then i mean i ran out I, i got way up in these canyons and and they're you know, I learned like there must be another water further up there because I got into, you know, a lot more tracks that were kind of coming from the other side of this area that, that I still never made it back into check. So that's on my list for this year, you know.
1: Totally. Yeah, dude, that's, that's super awesome. I know, um, getting to spend time with Brian McConnell was so valuable and we got into some of that discussion like really like paying attention to if you think that animal is heading to feeding or bedding and if he's heading to bedding, you know, he's, if he's heading to that thick cover, um, you know, and I'm talking bear here, but this applies for elk and deer as well, that, um, you know, you're going to treat that situation slightly different if you think he's heading into feeding and the ideal situation with a bear, um, is that you're following them into a feeding area and that they're going to be, you know, busy digging up a bee's nest or or chewing on salad or dig or you know, scrapping up a stump to find grubs or ants or something like that where they're preoccupied. Um, you know, in my experience in tracking elk, um if they're heading to a bedding area, you want to just kind of keep, try focus on the wind and just try to hear them but not go into that bedding area, like give them their space, maybe take a, you know, back off and, and bed yourself and, and kind of wait beyond that outer edge perimeter for them to get up and, and move. Cause man, when animals bed, you know, they just, they've got it all, everything's in their favor. They, they, they seem to, you know, really set themselves up for success like that. And so it, it's tough, you know, if you're not an open country to, to move in, um, on a, on a bedded animal, um, and, with uh hunt with Brian, you know, we, we covered in the podcast, like we had one more day of hunting. We, had, we recorded the podcast and then we hunted another day that didn't get covered in the podcast. And, uh, basically we're just walking grass roads every day, looking for bear sign, looking for fresh trails to follow. And, and, uh, we covered where we'd found several fresh trails, but they, they didn't have the wind in your favor or, they were going into somewhere way too thick that it would be just a waste of time. And he was like, you know, if we were wanting to trail a bear, here's a trail, but we're wanting to put an arrow through a bear. Um, no, no reason wasting our time until we found one that we had the wind in our favor and so on and so forth. So that last day of hunting, we went and walked a grass road and didn't cut any, um, fresh bear sign whatsoever and, um, picked up a cool elk shed and, I actually found a, a splitting um, wedge, an old splitting wedge. And Brian had, like, he's like, I dreamed about finding a splitting wedge last night. which like, That was strange. <laughs> um, and and uh, I'd made the recommendation that maybe we should go look at some clear cuts, kind of like thinking that, you know, we're supposed to be trailing bears. Maybe that's a bad, you know, like, see if he was open to that. And he was, you know, 100% open to that. He was like, oh, yeah, definitely. It would be nice to actually see a bear. And I took him over to uh, some of my uh, uh, favorite spots that, you know, you can glass across the canyon, kind of overgrown. And he spotted a giant bear, like, you know, by chance in the first uh, one second. Like, we pulled up, walked down there. Here's the opening. He pulled, he, he, before he even pulled the glass up, he goes, that's a big bear. Pull his glass up. Big old bruiser bear, and uh, we we watched for a little bit, and he was moving through some thick stuff, and we ended up trying. Uh, Brian went in on him from the top, and was going to go down there to where he last seen him and try to pick up the trail, and uh, I was like, "Well, dude, there's an old skid road that wraps around the mountain and down through mid slope." And it's all brushed in. And I said, why, why, why both of us try to spot and stock a bear? You know, that's tough as it is. I said, why don't you go in and after him and I'll cut down that skid road and I'll check the wind. And if I think the wind's going to screw you up, you know, I'll just back off. But if, if I have good wind, I, I might be in a spot where you bump him to me or I bump him to you or, or whatever. And, um, man, that's that bear didn't just, uh, somehow slide between both of us and And I heard them, uh, break some brush and still get up onto logs and walk logs, I think to make it easier, but it also makes it so you can't find their tracks. Yeah. Um, but it was cool. Like when I went down to that skid road, there was like all these bite trees that we'll talk about in the podcast and these, uh, ritual, uh, uh, trails, which are essentially like, uh, like a whitetail community scrape for bears a lot of uh, people don't know about or realize and this thing was just loaded with this big bears, uh, sign, you know, we were right in his living room and it, it was a really cool learning experience. And I think, uh, you know, you guys, it might, this podcast might start out kind of slow, but, uh, go ahead and listen to, listen to, to the end because, um, there's some definitely some golden nuggets in there, no matter if you hunt bears or not. It, it was a, a very, uh, educational week for me with some guys with some top level woodsmanship skills
2: yeah and i know for me um the tracking stuff i mean you know a lot of guys that hunt out west you know like i said they're doing the glassing and the, but there's a lot of you know elk cutting, there's a lot of flat thick areas that that kind of get run over you know because guys can't glass them and and the bulls aren't talking or whatever and that allows you a whole nother opportunity and i spent you know the first week cutting in this one area messing around that's where i ended up tracking that bull and stuff and and there was a couple bulls hanging out there just never never ran into them and that was an area nobody else was touching just before that reason you know so opens up some country too
1: it it, it 100 does and I kind of just re re revigorated my love for the jungle. Um, you know, I've had a hard time calling elk out here for the last few years and, and, uh, the tracking, uh, you know, is, can be pretty good in the jungle. Um, and so I'm, I'm kind of excited about, uh, hunting here in the backyard again. And it's been four or five years since I've taken it real serious about hunting here. And so, yeah, I'm just, super excited about that. And, and once again, just want to thank Brian McConnell for coming down and Preston Taylor and, and Preston's buddy, bear Matt and Justin from Montana. And yeah, I mean, uh, am I forgetting somebody here? Of course I am. John Sattler, uh, from sisters and yeah, it was just awesome. And thank those guys. And, um, I think the cyber Tracker thing is kind of like, uh, I'm going to coin it. The university, for woodsmanship skills. Um, I, I, feel pretty strongly about that. And, um, you guys will understand what I'm talking about as you listen. So I hope you guys enjoy that. Um, also, uh, we got Western States coming up, um, in Lolo uh, low, low hot springs and excited about seeing all those guys. And if you guys are listening to this before that, they should come out right beforehand. I, if you're anywhere near that, we hope to see you guys there. Um, what else? I want to thank uh, Carson Brown. He didn't make it to bear camp this year because he's uh, being responsible. He's being a, an adult and adulting and he's out there uh, hunting down uh good arrow shaft wood for uh, all of us guys that love shooting wood shafts. He was low on inventory and he had to cancel coming to hunt and go out and find shafting. So thank you Carson for that. And thank you Sherwood shafts for supporting the show we always appreciate
4: that and
2: yeah and if you guys uh come into western states uh andy's going to be there addictive archery and we're going to set up a little booth next to him and um and then we're also going to have the traditional archers of oregon's going to have a little setup we'll kind of all be together there and i'll probably be in the tao one, james you know we'll all be together but come by and say hi hang out have a beer we're really looking forward to it. It's going to be a good time and first shoot a lot of us have been able to go to since all the COVID stuff started. And, and uh, we've got some new new shirts and hats and stuff just to have there. So stop by, guys. It's going to be a good time for sure. Low, low hot springs.
1: Yeah, 100%. And unfortunately, we're not going to make it back out to Michigan this year, but um, the Compton's uh, traditional rendezvous there is – an awesome time and um you know we just want to continue to plug those guys cuz they're they're an awesome organization that are representing uh traditional bow hunters on a national level and yeah so, that you know, one too if,
2: that's, uh, if, if you're on the east coast man that that was so much fun when we went it was it was such a good time so get out there if you can i think it's coming up beginning of june so
0: yeah
1: support support all your local traditional bow hunting organizations um you know a, a lot of states have a traditional bow hunting organization on a state level um support them you know uh, comptons pbs pbs has got a their winter banquet coming up next winter uh in reno that's um, i'm i'm looking forward to that and that's a ways out so yeah, don't forget to support all these organizations that are supporting us um speaking of supporting us uh uh I want to put a huge thank you out for our Patreon supporters and supporting us through some spend times in the podcast. And we haven't been putting out a ton of content and, um, but, uh, we still got guys supporting us and we really appreciate that. We want to, uh, send a little gratitude back and do a giveaway and we'll, uh, we'll put an effort to do to more of those here in the, in the future. Um, we've already drawn someone out. Why don't you go ahead and tell us, uh, who we drew and we drew them for uh Preston Taylor just put out a book tracking the American black bear and I read the book and it's a really good read and once again even if you're not a bear hunter um I think you'll get a lot out of this book um so who's uh who's getting the book Bob
2: Levi Richards
1: Levi Richards thank you so much Levi for continuing to support the podcast and we will get that book out to you and uh, really hope you enjoy it and no reason to keep BSing here. Let's go ahead and get into the show.
3: You waiting for me to say something?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to the jungle, folks. Uh, doing a podcast, Oregon Coast, out here in the temperate rainforest. And I've got uh, some old friends and new friend. Why don't we go left to right? You guys can go ahead and just introduce yourself. And
3: okay. My name's Brian McConnell. <laughs> Preston Taylor here. And
5: John Satler.
1: I'm um, happy to have you guys. Um, why don't we just open up this conversation uh, with? Uh, a little bit about cyber tracker and what it is and kind of move into uh why we're sharing camp and what we're up to out here
6: uh, yeah uh so we're sharing camp here because we ran a cyber tracker trailing evaluation this past weekend and and probably first we should just get over uh the name cyber tracker <laughs> it, it, it sounds um you know, technical, um, but it, it, it comes from the uh, blending of um, traditional Bushman tracking skills with uh, modern um, research techniques. And uh, it, it was developed um, by Louis Liebenberg in South Africa. And, and he spent uh, a few decades with the Bushman, uh, learning from them, and the way I understand the story is at some point they came to Louis and, and asked for his help um, getting jobs. So Louis developed this um, Palm Pilot GPS interface that was icon-based so an Oralit or uh, culture could collect information on wildlife. Um, and, and And that's why it's called Cyber Tracker. So the CYBER is the Palm Pilot GPS interface with the traditional Bushman tracking skills. Louie quickly recognized though that you can't give this device to any Bushman because there's varying levels of tracking skills. And so he also developed uh, the evaluation and certification system, which is what we were here for this weekend. <clears throat> um, th- the system's broken into two modules. Uh, a track and sign identification module and then a trailing module. And um, with, you, with those put together, it completes uh, a tracker certificate. And so what we were here for this weekend was the trailing side, which is the, the following of a trail and finding an animal.
1: So when you say Bushman, for people who don't know what that term means can you
6: yeah it's it's the the group and and culture of of people who live in the um southern african continent and who are um as as i understand it uh a direct lineage from the uh location and and people that we as Homo sapiens evolved from, and and they they have a, a an unbroken lineage of um, subsisting on the landscape, but almost entirely when it comes to hunting through uh, their their tracking skills, <clears throat> and so this is potentially you know um, an unbroken line of trackers back to when um, we were evolving. Oh yeah, right. Just the the stories and the rock art there that they identify with go
3: back 50,000 plus years that they've been native to that region of South Africa. So a long time, You're talking about a group of people that are part of the landscape. Yeah, and some of the like early DNA, you know, human sequencing of the human DNA, like they, you know, what's that guy's name? Like early 2000s, when they were trying to do that, first get the there was a a a scientist that was going around collecting DNA from different parts, going and looking for like cultures that had been rooted in one place, that like not here in the United States with Western culture coming and going, where our genes have been, you know, um, mixed, for lack of a better way of describing it, but. you know, they could, he could trace it back, most of human DNA back to this region of the world, so.
1: And does this Palm Pilot still play a role in cyber
6: tracking and how is that like? Yeah, certainly, if, if, if you, you can use it to collect data for wildlife research, for your own personal, um, you know, investigations of how animals use the landscape, for anti-poaching efforts, um, for it's been used for Ebola outbreaks, and and now we have we have smartphones. So essentially, you can do the whole thing on your smartphone because it has a GPS in it, you know, and and you download the software. It's on it's on Louis's website, cybertracker.org. Yeah,
5: I was about to say the palm pilots still exist. No, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like,
3: like Preston said, getting past the name, you know, this was Louis kind of schemed this all up in the mid 90s early to mid 90s so cyber tracker like that's a new thing and you know 1993 cyber world (laughs) and palm pilots that was like you know pre talking like pre iphone pre most people having gps's so and you know like preston's saying he designed this an icon driven system so people who can't read or write can but you know phenomenal at recognizing sign and understanding the bush they can just you know like oh here's giraffe spore and they had you know an icon they could just press this icon record the GPS of it you know if they wanted to trail it they might trail it and record the route. so it was a good way of collecting data and like Preston said um, the way that's like he did that as a means of like getting employment and also like doing some cool research but then also you know he quickly quickly realized the data he was getting was only as good as the tracker doing it and he would go into these villages and ask you know who's who's the tracker who's the best trackers in here and you know all the young guys hands would go up and he started realizing that you know they would go out and because they wanted jobs and they may be okay they may be good they may be terrible it was just an unreliable way of saying who hey, who's the most skilled tracker here when he would go into a village and um and he, he started learning like oh it's the guy back there in the back that's not saying anything or doing anything that he needed to go talk to and that's how the evaluation system came out as a way of like recognizing and evaluating people's skills and uh Kind of like I was telling you guys you know, the other evening when we wrapped up. It's a, it's 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 a basically like a college degree for a lot of people there in that region. They can, you know, it's it, it it's it's a way to get employment for them.
6: And and it's yeah. also um, uh, reinvigorated um, the interest in in traditional tracking skills among the youth in those villages. Right because the the um, really skilled trackers are recognized they're actually paid based on their certification level mm-hmm. and and so it's um, reinvigorated um, the youth to learn this because Louie is, is has and is watching these tracking skills die off and and so start th- yeah 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 which is a big loss to all of us you know as humans so how does
1: that come to North America,
6: so and that's,
3: why? That's where Mark Elbrock comes in. and I don't even know how he heard about what Louis was doing. I don't know if he read Louie's book or reached out to him, but yeah, through um, Mark going over there, I guess in the late 90s, early 2000s.
1: Mark Elbrock.
3: Yeah, Mark Elbrock. And uh, learning the system going through it you know taking the evaluations learning first of all learning the ecosystem and the animals over there you know we <laughs> we we have like what there's deer here there's blacktail tailed deer there's roosevelt elk there's your hoofed animals for this little area the forest we're in right here okay they have and just in that in the I think he might have been in the Kruger where he was doing it. I'm not sure. Or Thorny Bush or somewhere up in the northern part of South Africa. So, not the country South Africa, not southern Africa, sub Saharan Africa, but the country South Africa, the northern part. It was somewhere up in there. He talks a lot about the Thorny Bush Preserve. And I think that might be where Louis did his first, ran his first official Cyber Tracker evaluation, which was kind of an interesting story, too. But
1: And they've got a lot of different.
3: There's like. 27 different antelope that, you know, leave a track that looks like a medium-sized ungulate. So, and you, you need to, and there's, ident- there's features that you can differentiate one from the next, so, and that's not including, you know, rodents, reptiles, birds, soft-footed animals, you know, the cats, all the cats they have over there, and or, buffalo or you know rhino or or hippos or elephants yeah and so he mark went and learned all that well enough to get the senior level the highest level basically um we can explain how that works a little bit better but um he he went and learned that system and then learned how to be an evaluator and then brought that here to North America.
1: And so who are the people involved or attracted to or benefit from Cybertracker
6: North America?
3: That's a really good
6: question. Man, uh, I mean, who can benefit is a big question, but originally Mark um, certified uh, Texas Parks and Wildlife biologists, specifically uh, the folks who are conducting river otter population uh counts for their um for for their uh uh, trapping quotas so so they they, what they did is they would um, walk rivers or canoe rivers and they would count they would go to river otter latrines and they would go to mud banks and and they would count um river otter tracks right and that would uh inform Texas Parks and Wildlife um, how they should set their quotas for the next season for river otter trapping. And, and so that's, that's who Mark first uh, evaluated. And, um, and, and, and they saw that there were people calling river otters um, tracks that were actually raccoon tracks and possum tracks and, and bullfrog tracks. And, uh, but since then, Mark, um, the evaluations continue to happen for, and, and the people there have uh, improved incredibly. In their ability to identify, you know, river otter tracks, right? But that's who, that's Mark was really gearing it towards the um, wildlife research and, and academic um, community, right? Um, and, and and that's who them them and the nature education community were sort of the two groups of, of people, you know, that were first kind of involved. Um, but but it's 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 extremely beneficial. Um, to anyone that wants to learn about wildlife or, or get close to wildlife. And so for us a, as hunters, um, you know, it's it's an invaluable learning tool um, as well as its its purpose also is to recognize uh, who are the skilled trackers that that should be teaching this to other people. And, and that's how Brian showed up to it. Um, you know, a lot of us like myself, we wanted to take it, we wanted to learn, you know, um, and, and, and Brian showed up and almost aced the first one, you know. And Mark was like, this is the kind of person we're looking for. <laughs> so it's beneficial to everybody for sure. Yeah. And it sounds like the wildlife
1: biologists are very attracted to it. Um, there's also a uh, group of people who've just kind of took it on as kind of a hobby. Yep. Because they like to be outdoors and want to understand like uh, birding yeah yeah understand what's what uh the animals are in their ecosystem and
6: and um, and for and for hunters because i you know i assume most of the people listening to this are are hunters or interested in hunting uh if you're new to hunting it's an incredible learning tool you will be immersed for a couple of days in the world of wild animals, learning to interpret their sign and behavior, learning um, how to follow their trails across the landscape, how to move quietly on the landscape, h- how to you know, sneak up on them. I think that that would be beneficial to most, uh,
1: not even just a greenhorn hunter, but a lot of hunters that are maybe utilizing this tactic or that tactic, but don't have um, the confidence in tracking. Mm -hmm. Um,
6: yeah yeah even if you already are a a skilled hunter been doing it a while i mean we can all improve especially in our ability to trail an animal after we shoot it um but certainly just to learn more about uh the environment and how the wildlife uses it and to deepen our connection with them And, and then you know if there's guys listening and gals that have been doing it a long time we'd love We'd love to recognize those folks too, you know? <laughs> yeah. That was a good
1: good thing you just brought up there. A lot of uh, people within our community, when, you, when they hear the word tracking and trailing, um, they're thinking about after the shot. That's generally the, that's the conversation. It's, it's, it's the after the shot, um, following the blood trail um, to, to your animal. Um,
6: yeah, uh, and, and, and we're talking about starting on a fresh track, and catching up to that animal before you've taken the shot, um, which, which could be 300 yards, like we saw yesterday with that bear, or, or it, it could be 16 miles,
1: yeah. you know? Um, and, and a lot of people also think that you are limited to substrates such as snow and sand, um, and without that, you know, or, or really damp winter conditions, that otherwise um it's just not really possible and what i'm learning is uh that's that's not the case
6: yeah to it to an extent um we all have our limits and and there are trails that nobody can follow um and we all lose the trail as you guys have seen um so so there are limits but it is also more possible i think than than people recognize
3: yeah mm-hmm. yeah one thing like just to maybe answer your question about like hunt for what you brought up about hunters is just one thing I'll use it for even if I'm not super interested in um, necessarily using that technique, that tool of following the trail to get to an animal is I use it extensively for scouting. But if I go to a new area like this and I'm driving or the road system or looking for sign, sometimes if I, you know, or with bears too. Like, I'm not seeing anything fresh. I'll just get on a trail that looks like it's one or two, or maybe even three days old, and follow that for a couple of miles till I start seeing fresh sign. We'll take like you into their it'll habitat It'll take me into where, you know, uh, and I'll know where uh, you can see where, oh, they're going to use this area to bed. They're going down here and feeding in this zone. So, and it takes those. A certain amount of comfort in being on the trail and being able to follow it, like um, to be able to consistently stay on the trail and see the tracks, but also pick up everywhere where the animal did a turn, a T-stop, turned its head over and nibbled on this salmonberry, or oh, it's walking this edge, you go over there and feed on that, or oh, there's beds from this trail, oh, there's beds from last week. You know, and there's older tracks going in there. So you start seeing all these trails crisscrossing, two-day-old trails crossing here, and you don't pick that up on your first time out following a trail. And you know, you you got to experience a little bit of the stress and how your your focus. Like we're putting pressure on you to get you to get a crack, James yeah. <laughs> and John too. You yeah. which you you surprised me with what you had to say. But, um, <laughs> How you enjoyed that i did Um, but when you have that added pressure to it it kind of like shrinks your focus down and you you stop seeing all that ancillary part the story really of the trail and um so the the trailing evaluation that's maybe like one small area that someone as a hunter would get out of it is forcing yourself to practice enough to where you can even with the stress of people watching you and maybe like pushing you to find the trail you can still pick up on oh yeah there's rubs on these trees over here you know there's birds calling over there as you're moving along the trail and
1: right so it's not it's not just the 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 track because each animal has different tendencies to leave different kinds of scent marking or signs along the landscape that you really you recognize to, to Put these pieces together to tell the story yeah yep it's, so how prevalent is cyber tracker in north america how long has it been in north america from the east coast to the west coast like uh where is it today in 2021 where
3: that's a there's a lot in that answer <laughs> so back to like i mentioned mark elbrock bringing it over here i think that was was that 2005, 2006, 2005? Um, he came, did he, is that when he did the, it's not when he did the evaluation with Jonah in Texas though, right? Yeah,
6: I think that was, yeah. I, I think that was 2006.
3: Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah, I think he came over in 2005. I'm not sure what he did. Maybe that's where you were talking about with the interview. <laughs> yeah. with uh, Tracking wolves. And yep. Yeah, with Louie and John Young. I know he came over, I thought, in the spring of 2006. And he brought the African, some of the African guys with him. Um, I know Louie came, and they went to that conference, mm-hmm. the ISP International Society of Professional Trackers, which is um, still around. Um, but they, for a while, were having, like, yearly conferences where a bunch of trackers would get together and kind of have a symposium. And they came and did that in Southern California and a couple of um, – the Bushman guys came with them or maybe might not have I don't know if it was I don't I don't have my facts straight but I know they brought there was a bunch of senior trackers there was, was a bunch of senior trackers yeah. came from Africa and yeah from Africa and uh, and Louie and Mark and they went to this conference and then like after the conference they did some workshops down in Southern California and like some of these senior trackers took a group of people with them and there's some great pictures of these guys showing, pointing to black bears, like, up on the hillside that they had just took five people into. And <laughs> none of these people that were with those groups had ever seen anything like that, let alone imagine that it was possible.
1: And so... N- not to mention that these senior trackers had probably never seen a black bear before. Exactly.
3: <laughs> but, you know, it's there was a lot of oak savanna, a lot of sand, and it's similar substrate. And... You know, it's kind of like I was telling you guys stories about being in England. If you can track a, re, a you know, an elk here in the Elliott, you can go to, you know, southern Scotland and track Sika deer because it's similar substrate. So track looks like that there and <laughs> looks like that here. And so you get into those dry, sandy, those arid regions. Anywhere in the world, the, the tracks are going to look the same the way you, the sign you see you know the animal you know the morphology of the animal may be different and leave a different number of toes (laughs) and the claws may be positioned differently but um but yeah as far as like tracking hoofed animals as long as it's similar substrate similar similar soil types that's the cool thing about the trailing side of it is it's really transferable to different areas you know done it all over the United States and Alaska and gone to Europe and done it. And it's, it, it, yeah, I get off the plane there in England and it's just like following blacktail here. So that's, but I uh, go back to like what you were saying, like the time. Um, so that, that was 2006, I think when it really got started. And um, a lot of people that were at that conference Um, were people that worked or owned or taught at different um, natural skills schools, outdoor schools, and they planted a seed and they contacted Mark about getting evaluation started. And so then it kind of got into like that naturalist community and hobbyist community and kind of slowly spread. Um, And he in 2007, Mark started getting, bringing on, people. He was the system was working. Like he was going out, identifying people that had really good skill sets. Mainly focused on the track and sign side of it.
1: Which uh, is.
3: Which is so the system's broke into two parts. There's the trailing, like Preston mentioned, and the track and sign. And the track and sign is much more. Um, I don't want to say black and white. Compared to the trailing, but it's um, it's so it's kind of an ingenious system that Louie has set up. So he takes the, the trailing side, where Preston mentioned you're, you're going out, following an animal with the goal of catching up to it and observing it for whatever purpose. All right, um, but along the way, you may be seeing all this other animal sign. You know, you you may be seeing tracks of all different kinds of mammals, rodents, bird calls, and not to mention the ecology. You know, of the the ecosystem that you're in, all the plants and shrubs and grass and forb species, and understanding how the animals interrelate with that. And so, the track and sign of it is like that. Just what it says: it's the track and sign identification. So, you know, and it could be, you know, what are those marks on that tree over there? Well, it's where someone hacked at it with a hatchet. That that would be a fair question on a track and sign evaluation right down to you know identifying um the front foot of a deer mouse right so um, that's what you do on the track and sign part you you go up it's it's 50 questions for a standard evaluation you go out and an evaluator you know draws a box around a track in the ground in the soil and you know someone's standing there with a clipboard and they may ask you simply who is this and you say black-tailed deer and the person checks the box and Then, then after that question, everybody's had it's in a group of ten people, typically. And after all ten people have given their answer, you stand around and you talk about that black-tailed deer track. And if there's everyone says it's a black-tailed deer track, well, there's really not a lot of learning that's going to go on because you guys all know what black-tailed deer. But if six people said, "Oh, that's an elk," then the evaluator is going to sit there with you and say, "Well, okay, here's the reasons." why it is a black-tailed deer and not an elk, And they'll go through the morphology of the track, the size differences, you know, and um, point that out so that you have a chance to learn from what you didn't identify correctly. And so then that just repeats 50 times over. And it's just whatever you find on the landscape is a fair game.
1: So it's it's really uh, giving you... Knowledge tools so that when you're out on the trail that you can understand. Yeah, even if you're trailing a, a black-tailed deer um, How it ends up uh, Interacting with the rest of its habitat and animals and Yeah, plants yeah. And, yeah,
6: if, if you are say you're following a, a bear on a um, dusty road and some small mammal tracks cross it. Yep. What are the are those deer mouse or is that a vole? Because deer mice are nocturnal, and most of the voles are diurnal. And so that that can tell you when that bear was there. Yep. Which we were talking about the other day. Like you know,
3: how are we mm-hmm. later? Who was, I can't remember. We were the same scenario. You know, like what do you do? I think you asked me like what do you do when it gets dry later in the summer, and I was like, well you can use insects and the wind blowing and things like that. If they're running across the tracks, same thing. If yeah. you see, you know, a bunch of deer, mice tracks in the bear track, it's, it's probably not from that morning. Yeah.
1: I found aging. The track is, is the toughest skill to acquire. Yeah. And I picked up a few just little, little things this weekend. Um, the bruising of, of plants. And, you know just like we, you know you've got you're eating some spinach at home and the way you see it gets old and it gets bruised and and picking up mm-hmm. in their in their track this vegetation and evaluating you know is it bruised is it dry yep. it out it can really kind of tell the story there and then you can in turn pick up plants and and bruise them, them yourself and, and watch that age and, and get an idea
6: of you know, just yeah.
3: set that baseline. Yeah. yeah,
6: Aging is so critical for, for two reasons. One, to start on the right trail, right, and, and, and to stay on it. Because really, like if we start on a trail and we and we don't catch up to the animal, um, it's, it's usually because it goes somewhere that we can't see tracks, right? The substrate becomes too difficult for us to see tracks, and we can't visualize where it's going and pick it back up beyond that difficult substrate or it gets mixed in with other trails of that same species or that same animal but it's too difficult to differentiate the age of the trail and you get off on an older trail too many times and you can't get back onto the fresh one right and so aging is super critical for staying with that animal um that you're following but then also as we're as you're following it to to ev- to hypothesize about how close you're getting to it and 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 when you think you're close enough that the animal could be aware of you you know Um, and so we're constantly aging the trail for am i close enough for this animal to know that i'm here or am i close enough to where i could actually see it or become aware of it yeah so aging is extremely challenging um, and very important Yes. And nothing that you will ever master and most of the time feel like I don't know how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and and these, these tactics can
1: be practiced in, in a lot of different manners. I, I know when I was first, first trying to learn about how and why the ungulates that live in my woods, when they rub and why they rub, you know, I'd go by a rub and be like, is that fresh or not, whatever. And I'd get up my pocket knife and I'd rub the tree next to it and I'd have a look. And then I'd go about my business and I'd come back on my way back to the truck and see what it looked like two hours later. And then then maybe two days later, I'd be back in there again. I'd go back to that same tree and you start to program yourself to like, that's what a fresh rub or a a semi-fresh rub or that's what a rub when it gets rained on and tricks you into thinking that it was fresh. You're being a good
3: scientist. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Which is what trailing basically is as far as i'm concerned you're being a scientist you yeah know? you're just constantly conducting this experiment and trying to see if you're right or not you know if your hypothesis is correct like is this trail going to take me <laughs> to, to the animal or not and, yeah. and so
1: for the people listening i know that when i got i met preston a few years ago and we did we did a podcast last spring um there was a two-part series with uh, preston on tracking bears and uh, carson brown it was the three of us in camp and you guys can go back and listen to that we're kind of in the uh same spot um and we all we were here to to do some bear hunting and we'll talk about that uh, we'll get into that but uh we, we did this tracker uh, cyber tracker trailing evaluation tell us a little bit about what uh, role you guys play in cyber tracker um, what level you are maybe break down some of the levels and and uh, explain to people like how that process works
3: sure so that kind of ties into what we were trying I was trying to answer <laughs> I get I get lost sometimes
1: rabbit holes are part rabbit of the podcast holes, so
4: yeah
3: kind of back to getting getting it started here in North America, but um, so yeah, 2006, Mark starts working with some of these, and that's how the system works, right? It works for identifying people that have a solid knowledge and, and skill base as an outdoorsman, as an ecologist, as a, a really good tracker. Um, and the two parts to it, the track and sign and the trailing. And if you do really well in the track and sign and really well in the trailing parts, um, you get a track and sign certificate and a trailing certificate. And together those scores combine and, and we award people with a tracker certificate. And um, Kind of like I mentioned, the goal is like, try to attain your senior trackers. Like It means you're really solid at the track and sign identification identifying those you know obscure tracks or rare tracks or just the ones you see every day like this is a dog and not a mountain lion. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh, and then the trailing part if you're a specialist level senior level trailer you can consistently go out and I say consistently not every time you can consistently go out identify a fresh trail follow it and have a pretty good chance of seeing the animal um, in extremely difficult substrate, right? That's what we're looking for with this senior level trailer. And so you do both those things, you get a senior tracker certificate.
1: And um, working up to that, there's lower levels?
3: Yes, there's a, we have a level one, two and three and a level four um, based on the scoring in each side in the tracking side and the trailing. So. And
1: to become a senior tracker, yeah. you need a level four you score. Need to, okay.
3: The level four just means you've gotten 100%, and to, be, to get that senior level, then we put on special events just for people looking for that, where there's a couple of an evaluators there, and it kind of gets stepped up a little bit. Um, just a little. Just a little. <laughs> um, you're faced with more difficult questions, and the, the trailing were the track and sign, you're faced with more difficult questions, and you have to get every one of them right. And uh, so there's a little pressure that goes into that. Maybe that's why it feels more difficult. And um, for the trailing, we're gonna, you're gonna need to show us an animal at some point. May not happen on that particular evaluation, but um, and then we're gonna work you basically all day on a very difficult trail. Okay. And
1: uh, so why don't yeah. you? Give a uh, proper introduction of uh, Brian McConnell and, and, and where. <laughs> Almost there. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah,
3: sorry. So yeah, he, we get these evaluators going. Um, he start the system worked through Mark recognizing a few talented individuals that were really good, and he started working with them being evaluators um, for the track and sign portion. And they hadn't done much trailing up until that point. Um, and in 2007, just by chance, I was able to meet Mark um, by taking a, a track and sign evaluation. And also at the same time, they offered a trailing evaluation to the, the staff of the school I was taking a tracking class at. And uh, I kind of like, forced myself into that trailing evaluation and I got to go on the condition that you know I would go last and only if there was time. (laughs) So I did that and I did pretty well and uh, Mark like recognized that I was one of those people that was really solid at trailing at following animals.
1: And and this comes from your background in, in hunting? That
3: came from my background in hunting 100% I didn't I didn't learn that by being taught that from someone at a school you're not a biologist I learned that in the pine woods in South Arkansas just as a kid deer hunting um, I think I was like 11 years old I shot a deer with a 20 gauge double barrel shot it with a slug crippled it and uh, spent the rest of the day on my hands and knees following tracks there wasn't much blood and uh, finally later in the afternoon I went back and got my dad we looked for it a little while and some folks on neighboring properties ended up shooting it with dogs right before the end of that day but I didn't get it but that left a mark on me I was like man this tracking stuff is really hard but I need to know how to do it you know and I probably only followed that deer Maybe a hundred yards, maybe two hundred, I don't know, and it took me hours to do that, <laughs> but I followed it far enough to know where it was going, and then you know, my dad called those folks over there, and they ran their dogs on it and ended up and it was yeah, just what I thought, and shot it in the leg, so yeah, after that i I took the tracking part of my hunting serious, and you know I would go. I was just always looking for tracks. My grandpa, um, yeah, he he cruised timber for a living, and spent every day in the woods. And uh, he he took me deer hunting a lot and showed me. He basically gave me my first introduction into like, you know, what a coyote track looks like and what a, how to tell them apart from fox and dog and, you know, and showing me deer and hog and. But yeah, after I shot that deer and started realizing the importance of tracking, I'd, you know, there was a few nights I remember being out there with the, the old propane lantern, walking along in pine straw, going, "Where did that go?" You know, I like shot at it, and I mean, that was a terrible shot too. That probably didn't. Happen. As an 11-year-old. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, single bead on a double-barrel shotgun. It, it's not the best way to do it but um yeah so that's where it came from it was from hunting and uh so yeah when i got onto that evaluation
1: and so is did is arkansas somewhere you called home
3: that's where i grew up yes i spent my childhood on a until yeah until uh, my early 20s and then i relocated up to the northwest
1: and you reside now in washington yeah
3: yeah, up in northwest washington um, it's a little different, but deer tracks are deer tracks. <laughs> if You can follow them down through pine straw in Arkansas. You can follow them through pine straw. Anyway. And so
1: tracking was uh, something that you gained interest at, a, at an, uh, an importance at an early age, early age and, yes, and yeah. something you were self-teaching yourself.
3: Yeah. I started hunting when I was super young, probably like six years old. Like that's normal. Doesn't everybody do that? Right. Um, yeah and
1: uh, at what point did you feel like there was more knowledge out there that you were seeking or um I don't you know, know how
3: yeah i don't I don't
1: I mean at some point you f- you found cyber Tracker, so
3: yeah, like that was just by I really didn't know anything about cyber tracker until um I took that I took a course at that at wilderness awareness school a tracking intensive course because i yeah like you you know there was that wanting more i wanted to learn from real trackers and i guess that meant like you know identifying jumping mice and you know telling raccoon from bobcat which i already knew how to do but um that was okay i learned a lot from that i learned a ton and got to meet some cool people and it introduced me to just by chance, like I said, to the cyber tracker system. So,
1: and I imagine it gave you a lot of confidence in what you already knew.
3: The trailing, yes, yeah, that part, yes. Um, it, the track and sign stuff it opened me up to a lot of things I didn't know and wanted to learn more of. And uh, yeah, I'd, I've always I've always like tried to be a good little student. You know, i you know as a kid I just wanted to learn like you what you were telling me about with your daughter like yeah i just wanted to know i had encyclopedias and you know i would i would refer to them like daily (laughs) just learn. just wanted to learn you know and i spent so much time outdoors like you know i wanted to know what you know snakes were around i just spent time outside and tracking was tracking deer was part of it and had so many cool experiences hunting like you know, river otters coming up and sniffing my hand while I'm squirrel hunting and watching them play and having deer walk by me while I'm, you know, just like feet away from them. And yeah, so I was like, my interest was in it. And that's like one of the coolest things, like the first, not the first day I went deer hunting, but the second day I went deer hunting, I was six years old and uh, my grandpa had taken me out and I got my little 410 shotgun. And we're just sitting on the ground up against a tree and these two yearlings, I think it's like a button buck and a and it's probably his sister, they see us on the ground and they're they're feeding around and they're curious, like what are those two things? And those two deer, this, this is my second day deer hunting, those two deer walk up about, you know, five feet from the end of my feet. And they're just like head faking me, you know, trying to get you to move my grandpa he whispered, don't move you know and he's head faking and, and and then they just walked away they never spooked him that man after that i was like ready to go deer hunting <laughs> for, i guess for life so i'm still doing it and that was like over 40 years ago so
4: yeah
1: do you um, feel that cyber tracker like was it a, a a rather fast progression when you started gaining some of this track and sign knowledge of how you uh used it in the woods while hunting or was it a s-
3: yes i mean it opened i learned a lot just by being around uh, the other evaluators and working through the system and I kind of got fast tracked through the the trailing part of it, <laughs> which maybe I missed out. I don't know. The tracking sign stuff, though. Yeah, it took me a couple of years to to get to where I had a, a senior a senior level, the specialist level. I think that was two thousand nine or two thousand ten. Two thousand
6: nine. Well, well, I think yeah. you fast tracked through the trailing. side of it because you were so good because I remember Mark came back from that evaluation we were still living in New England and and um, told me how you took the group on this elk's trail over to where they were bedded and and had them wait and you snuck down in there spotted the elk in her bed and then brought each one of the participants down there to view the elk from about 30 yards I think you said and then backed out of there without spooking the elk and and so then I then you were invited by Mark to a specialist evaluation with Audrian, and I happened to be there for that one yep. as well. That was my my second trailing evaluation, and um, and you trailed a bear <clears throat> all day to to its bed. I don't know did we kick that bear out of its bed? No, it got up and walked up that little okay. draw. Yeah, but but all day we could have, but it was not spooked. And 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 yeah. I just remember you were. Um, Communicating to the evaluators, Audrey and Mark, um, mainly through um, nonverbal communication, just imitating behaviors that the bear was doing, where it stopped to stand and sniff or look over some direction, and I was having trouble seeing the trail, a- and and it really dawned on me like, oh, this is what a good tracker can do, you know, and and yeah. I think that's why you were fast tracked through the trailing side because you were really good and are.
3: Yeah. yeah, that's that's probably why. Yeah. Yeah.
6: Yeah. yeah. And I owe so much of of what I know because of your inspiration and and seeing that. That's
4: cool. It's cool to hear. (laughs) It
6: it, it was really cool to hear that
1: Preston wasn't just, like, I was blown away last year when we trailed bears. Um, You know, I just couldn't believe this was possible, that we could trail a bear for four or five hours and run into it. And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of putting people on pedestals. I was like, man, he must have been born with some something i don't have you know and, and to find out that uh he, he started just like the rest of us you know uh, well we'll leave the legend out but uh, <laughs> uh i've just been teasing with that all weekend um, but it, it was refreshing to be like oh this is obtainable you know that if through, through yes. some hard work and I, I i guess i'll also uh add here like i can be stubborn and and uh narrow-minded and so, like, I wanted to pick what I wanted out of this. And I thought, of, well, I just cherry-pick what I want out of this, and then th- these CyberTracker nerds can have the rest. And, man, just in a short bit, I realized that this is a complete package, and if if you want to be the complete package, you, you got some work to do, Jim. And, you know, the birds. <laughs> <laughs> who, who would have...
4: Like, how did I...
1: I, I was ignoring the birds the whole time, and the birds—some uh, uh, of the birds—are telling you what's going on. They alerted um, you to that bear. They alerted us to that bear. Yeah. The Jay. Um, it's when you open yourself up to uh, to the whole picture. There's so much enjoyment that comes yeah. from it. Yeah, yeah totally. To, knowing, uh, you know the the fauna knowing how is how everything's working together
6: well in order to um, find an animal well like a bear uh, you have to understand the progression of plant growth because that that's what that's what drives their their life yeah is food
1: live and, die and you have to be able to food.
6: identify plants and know where they're growing and what habitats they like and when they flower and when they fruit and it's 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 part of it if you I mean yeah to be good at it
4: yeah
1: yeah and so I definitely like literally li- literally just a few days ago I was just like kind of like yeah I'm gonna take what I want from this and and uh m- I'm blessed to be around uh such awesome outdoorsmen. um to like this is obtainable and and um I can learn all these things and uh, over time and and it's gonna make my outdoor experience so much more rich, and I have a feeling it might fill the freezer a little better eventually. I mean who knows
6: anything's possible yeah it it's it certainly like i mean I think I said this last year on the on the podcast I grew up in the middle of the city, you know um I mean I was kind of wild, but um when i after you know when I went when I finished high school, I was in the woods. And after high school, I left the city to live in the woods, you know, um, not in the woods, but, you know, to be involved in the outdoor experience. And and it's been a long, you know, slow learning curve for me. And I still feel like I'm learning. I have so much to learn, but it has, uh, like Brian said, led to incredible experiences um, of just being really close to animals and getting to see them behave uh, like they would without um, people watching. You know yeah and fill the freezer <laughs> yeah and it helps with what you do for a living it does help as a biologist for sure it's, it's extremely important as a biologist um, yeah. It almost should be more valued you know than it is yeah it used to be uh, the whole wildlife biology field used to be folks um, that grew up as outdoorsmen and and had this knowledge base when they came into the academic realm and then we're trained, you know, academically to gather data, you know, scientifically and to um, run statistics or things like that. And it, and it sort of switched, you know, in the past couple of decades where most of the students in wildlife programs are from urban areas. And so they're being trained in that academic side of it, but don't have the outdoors um, experience to bring to that side as well. And, and it's missing for sure. It's missing amongst. I'm, I, I mean, I can't speak for all
1: hunters, but it's missing amongst the hunting community too. I, I feel. I mean, yes, there are guys like Brian, uh, Gary Wallace, um, Dan Godfrey that, that they almost take it for granted their their uh, their ability, their abilities. Um, and but as a whole, I look around and you know. It's just about the, the after the shot. The, the, there's, I mean, I'm so guilty of like, well, they took off and go find some different ones. Mm-hmm. Not, well, I finally found them.
6: Let's stay with them. Yeah. And for me, um, this is just for me personally, I want to be involved in the hunt in, in a way that uh, is as natural as a human behavior as possible and And so, I often choose um, not to rely on you know some technology like sometimes even binoculars or, or things like that i I enjoy spotting an animal with my naked eye through the brush, you know the the curve and light tan of an elk's buck butt, butt sticking out behind a log a hundred yards away, you know um, and that doesn't mean I don't hunt with binoculars or I'll take a rifle out too, but um I, I really thrive for that human. You know, experience that we have been in, involved in that's driven our evolution. You know, for time immemorial.
1: Yeah. And
6: he, you have worked your way
1: from the bottom.
6: Yeah, from not knowing anything about animals, <laughs> literally nothing, <laughs> um, to having a, a a really good solid foundation in in, in natural history and animal behavior and in in the Recognition of sign on the landscape and the ability to, to follow them to find them. How, how much did
1: CyberTracker play a role in that?
6: Oh, it was it was pivotal um, because before that, <clears throat> I I wanted to learn how to hunt and, and learn how to track, but there wasn't any school or person that I could find that could show me how to learn it. There were there were people that said they were good and i took a lot of classes but i i I never had a model of this is what you did well this is what you need to improve on here's how you improve and and that's what cyber tracker really provided for me was um an honest feedback of where i was strong and where i was weak and at each evaluation a few constructive criticisms about how to improve And so I would take that home and work on them. And it was really in the practice for my next evaluation that I progressed, you know, um, as well as really committing to to hunting with a um, traditional bow, which just forces me to get closer, you know, and to spend so much more time in the woods because I can't get a shot as often as with a rifle. Touch on the honesty
1: of... The evaluation, oh, and and, um, and like case, science, that's something you've you've spoke on before, yeah, and, and it it, yeah. it it really makes you know, yeah. Makes yeah, a lot of sense.
6: Um, well, when you're on this evaluation on the track and sign one, you you know you give your answers to the the evaluator, and then everyone goes through it, but you don't necessarily know what other people are saying unless you talk about it. At at the end of the evaluation, though, you're giving you're given a score. Based on uh, what you got right and what you got wrong, and it's a simple calculation. Um, but your your score and your certificate is. And, per- and, and maybe speak on some some of the some of those things. Oh sure. So <clears throat> on the on the ID evaluation, the the questions are broken into easy, uh, difficult, very difficult, and then extremely difficult bonus questions. Right. And um, a- an easy question might be. Um, <clears throat> A a, a huge moose track in a location where there's no other ungulates right Um, so there's nothing to confuse it with it's totally clear it's very obvious what it is right Um, and and those questions are worth one point Um, a medium question might would be something that um, is clear but you could confuse it with other stuff maybe it's a a bobcat track on a riverbank where there's also um, river otters and raccoons or things like that right and then and those are worth two points whether you um, and then the hard questions are small stuff like the rodents or or things that are obscure you know a messy dog track that kind of looks like a mountain lion track things like that you know and if you get um, the hard questions right you get three three points if you get them wrong you lose one point if you get an easy question right you get one point if you get it wrong you lose three points and so it works out into this this um, scoring system right but at the end of that evaluation your certificate and score is presented in front of everyone because it's an open And this is happening in the field in the field the whole thing's in the field nothing's brought in nothing's made up nothing's trick there's no trick questions anything um, the evaluators <clears throat> if they can't explain to you why it's a Bobcat and not a house cat um, throw the question out yeah but throw the question out um, and and you can challenge them you can say no these are the features I'm seeing um, that lead me to think this, and and they'll consider that, and and if they still think they're right, they can say, well, this is what I'm thinking, and and they're not just going to throw every question you argue out, right? But but <clears throat> you know, I've seen them, um, you know, I've seen Mark ask this bird track, and and Barry Martin said it was a quail, and Mark thought it was a spotted sandpiper because he looked too quickly, and and Barry said, no no no, look at the the knuckleliness of the toes and the claw, and Mark looked down and he said, oh, you're right. You know, and, and so the evaluators have to be extremely honest. And, and then your certificate is presented in front of everyone. Um, so it's an open feedback. With the trailing evaluation, it's different because <clears throat> uh, the, during the two days in the field, you don't receive feedback while you're on the trail. And um, in the trailing evaluation, uh, and Brian can probably explain this better, um, it, it's also more difficult because. We're, we're rating the trail as easy, difficult, very difficult, or extremely difficult. And it changes constantly. And so we're, so we're assessing how well you're following it um, in those conditions and as it changes. And at the end of the evaluation, we go through a 25-point a, a scoring sheet um, of what we're looking at. And, and provide you um, criticism on what you did well and what we think you could work on. And then present your score and certificate in front of the group. <clears throat> and, and, and on the trailing evaluations as well, as an evaluator, it's extremely important that, that we're honest with... I don't know where the animal went and I can't find the trail either. Or I'm not sure how old it is. Um, yeah. So it's a, it's a very open, honest process.
1: And Brian, coming into this weekend, Brian has been an evaluator for some time.
6: Yeah, since two thousand nine. Yeah.
1: And you are now. Congratulations.
6: Yeah, this was my evaluation to be an evaluator. Evaluation to be evaluator. So there was, uh, there was, laid laid out. So so so, so to be an evaluator, so everyone has to go through the process. And if you get a hundred percent, like Brian said, you get these special certificates. You become a senior tracker. And then to be an evaluator, you have to be a senior tracker, and then go through a training process to learn the scoring system. To, to you know, Brian was there to make sure that I'm calling an easy trail easy, you know, and a hard trail hard. Um, and and so you learn that system and and get comfortable with with being in charge of the group and and all these different things that are extremely challenging for me. You know? So you're about
1: <laughs> and so this weekend. Mm -hmm. brian's evaluating you to be an evaluator and you're evaluating the there's four of us That's that standard four guys yep
6: standard four guys yep max yeah um yeah Yeah, and and
3: that's that's been a years long process like we for a couple of years have been evaluating preston to be an an evaluator yeah (laughs) years and and and, and this was like he was not so much like being evaluated other than just me watching and going yeah you ran that you did a good job. Yeah. Congratulations. Confirmation. Now go knock your socks off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah.
1: So for the people listening that are intrigued by all this, how how does one find out about this? Are there is are there workshops? Are there books? Websites? Like uh, tell people how they can get started in this and, and is this happening across the from east coast to west coast yeah I mean, what
6: yeah so um th- there, there's a louis liebenberg has the cyber website and that's first africa in north america we have uh the cyber tracker um, tracker certification website and and that's that's trackercertification.com and all the evaluations that are going to be run are listed up there um and and so you can there's a contact person for whoever's hosting it. And so you can get on that site to see where one's happening and sign up. Um, And they're happening across the country. Um, As well, uh, you can contact an evaluator and host one anytime, you know, as long as they're free and can do it. Um, So anyone can host an evaluation. Uh, Any of the senior trackers and specialists, um, I think all of them run workshops and and if you and especially for the trailing if you if you haven't done any trailing before it'd be good to just have hire them to come out to do a workshop first but if you have experience following animals um, you could do an evaluation yeah yeah that's
3: and that's a big difference between the the track and sign and the trailing like anybody could go do a track and sign and not be overwhelmed and get an educational experience out of it and get some positive feedback even if they don't get attain a level to get a certificate like if you just show up we're not going to give you a certificate you have to at least attain a 70 percent on the track and sign to get a level one certificate
1: oh everybody doesn't get a trophy
3: no (laughs) And, and not even not even on the trailing there's been times where we've been out with people and they they you know we just Mason didn't get a certificate, we right? We just turned the like I did not a, get one. Yeah, and it happens. So we just turn it into a learning think like, okay, yeah, but the that's the difference between the track and the track and sign I think and the trailing is the tracking and sign's much just the way it's structured and it works. It's it, it kind of ends up being much more of an opportunity to get an education a, a experience out of it. Whereas the trailing, you're thrown in the fire. It's, or the deep end of the pool or whatever analogy you want to, you know, you want to use. You can
1: even pretend like that's how it's going on, but that's what's going on. Yeah, you were, you were,
3: you are, and you're, you know, here's this track. If you just stand there and stare at it all day, we're not going anywhere and I can't, I can't assess your skill level. And like Preston mentioned, we're, we're looking at the trail and we're looking at you. So we're really, we're judging the trail, but as far as like you following it, the trailing is a performance-driven, it's per, it's based on performance. It's a performance assessment of your skills. You have to demonstrate, you know, non-verbally, that you, you can't tell me about how you can follow a trail. That's great if it, that's true, but unless I see you do it, I can't assess, you know, how well you do it, uh, where you do things great, what the trail looks like, where you make mistakes, what the trail looks like, where you make mistakes. I can't assess that. So it's much more performance. So if you don't have some skill level to start, you can't even function enough to get anything out of it. So we have to see you do something in order to give you any type of feedback on it, or much less make an assessment. And so someone at that level, our feedback would be, hey, you need to get with someone who's got a little bit of experience, or you need to Go find some deer, watch some deer, follow some deer tracks. You need to start at the ground level of being able to identify the tracks. And, and yeah.
6: like you said, James, not, not everyone gets a certificate. Um, and the honesty thing made me think about when my first specialist trailing evaluation. You know, Brian had invited me um, because I did really well um, on a regular trailing evaluation, right? But then on that first specialist one, I, I did not perform... At a specialist level, you know, it was it was very clear to me, um, and and Mark said something in the feedback, constructive criticism part at the end, that, uh, and I'm sure like Brian and Nate were hoping I would do well, um, but Mark said, the evaluators aren't going to bend, we're not going to give this to you, you know, you have to earn it, and and I, um, it was hard, it was really hard for me to hear that. At the time, he worked so hard, right? Yeah. But it also uh, was, was so meaningful because I didn't want it just given to me, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Someone like Preston?
3: No, well, not someone like Preston. Preston, to, to to get to where he is, he's put in, you know, a decade of his nose to the groundstone going out and you know, building his base to be able to recognize, you know, an an infinite amount of possibilities for what the trail could look like and the aging could look like and you know, the way the the way this scoring works is it's pretty ingenious when you look at it. The number one thing we're looking at, the first thing on the scoring sheet that we base our figures off of for the tracking or for the trailing part is how well do you recognize the tracks. Number one thing recognize tracks and hard substrate grass or hard substrate and if there's not a 10 in there you're not (laughs) you're not gonna get that so that's the base that's the foundation that's the number one foundation so that's oftentimes like even someone with a lot of uh other other areas the the recognizing the tracks the, I, the recognition but then you got the anticipation and the alertness and the stealth and awareness of dangerous situations you got all those other categories even if someone's pretty astute in those areas you know let say they're a good woodsman but they haven't spent a lot of time following trails or maybe they have but they've just done the easy ones that they can see and never force themselves to do the hard ones that shows up and that becomes apparent for them because. Um, like Preston mentioned, the trail's always changing. You're going from easy to hard, to very hard, to very hard, to very hard, to easy, to easy, to hard, to well, I can sort of see it. Oh, it's there. It's sort of hard. Um, You know, that easy to difficult to very difficult, it's constantly changing. So, um, when someone's maybe got done really, they have, like I said, they're a good woodsman. They've spent some time outside. They know how to be quiet. They know other animal signs. They pay attention to the wind, but um, their skill level breaks down because they haven't spent a lot of time forcing themselves to recognize very difficult tracks, and so they lose the trail where Preston's put in the time. He's going to see those difficult tracks, those you know, those bear tracks on that packed down trail where it's just a little bit of scuff that's a different color than all the other dirt around it, or yeah. So
1: yeah, I remember when I first got into bow hunting, I had had this assumption that all bow hunters had this skill and that these were skills I was gonna to need to obtain if I was gonna become a bow hunter. And I did uh, uh, have mentors that are, are um, you know, legit tracking, have tracking skills. But I easily found, you know, that there's these gadgets and there's, there's other forms of hunting and, and that it's actually, it, it, it's a lost art. And when you think of woodsmanship skills man to me now like tracking is like the foundation of it and and um it's kind of a shame that it's not more prevalent for 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 the wildlife's sake uh,
4: Mm -hmm.
1: um and, and for the hunter's sake yeah 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 so also speaking to my one track mind i didn't I, i'm a researcher researching everything out that i do but this i i just had something i kind of thought i was just going to cherry pick this and so i didn't really have any idea what i was what i was really getting my. i tried into. to explain james <laughs> <laughs>
2: that,
3: that may be the best way to do it
2: <laughs> you've got enough
3: experience to you actually have a wealth of knowledge of this landscape and oh yeah elk and See that carried you through. You did really well, right? Right. You actually did really well. Yeah. So. Yeah. Not,
1: but man, I did didn't. not uh, know that I was getting pushed off into the deep end of the pool. <laughs> I, I I got warned a few times, but I was like, ah, yeah, like because I think before it started, I just being in your guys's presence and just hearing you guys talking about uh stories and trails and 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 fauna and birds and just all the stuff the stuff that i was fooing before i was like this is all really important like i started taking it more serious right at the last second and then you know the uh, the pressure so and i had no idea like how with the dynamics with four guys on the landscape and how we were going to be put on, the tra- on easy trails and pulled off of them for another guy to show or put on something different. Like, I didn't... So, it was all just kind of like, yeah, I just came into it.
6: Yeah, and that's what I tried to explain to you, too. Like, you, you, you have to take the test as well just to see what it, it is, you know. Yeah, and, and yeah. I, 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 if anything, yeah. I told myself
1: I'm going to get a baseline uh, of where I'm at now and uh, well, by no means... You, you know, like I got a lot to learn
6: and, and, and that's why I'm here.
1: Well, we all, I, that's well, why I brought you guys
6: here. We all do. But the the reason I set this up is because last year, well, I listened to your podcast early on and went, oh, this guy's talking about tracking elk, not just after the shot, but to find them. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, cool. You know, and, and, uh, and then we met at the, the banquet, you know, and then you, me and Carson, we had the tags and so we set this camp up. And and I For came bears. here, yeah, mm-hmm. and and um, last year, and and I was like, oh, these guys are, are good trackers, and they actually like have a lot of experience getting close to animals, and and um, you know we followed elk and we followed lion, and we followed bear last year, and, and I was like, these guys are good, and so I I, I set this up. Cause I called Brian after I was like, Brian, you got to come down and evaluate these guys, you know, and, yep. and Carson's not here. Cause, um, last season I broke a lot of arrow shafts and he's got work to do, but <laughs> <laughs> no, unfortunately Carson, Carson couldn't make it cause it worked. But, but, but like, yeah, like Brian was saying, you, your knowledge of this landscape and that's what like a, a local localized specific knowledge of, of one piece of land learned through the 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 watching and following of the animals across it like like that is the the pinnacle of a a good hunter or doorsman tracker you know and and that's why i set it up because you you are good man Yeah, yeah and we focus a
1: lot on the podcast um uh woodsmanship skills or you know just really trying to get our guests to talk about their woodsmanship skills and to share tricks and techniques and tactics because, you know, me and Bob do feel that it's it's a lost art and who doesn't want to know more? And that's uh, what
6: a, a big chunk of the trailing evaluation, like Brian said, is evaluating. We're, you know, I'm asking you guys, which way is, is the wind going? And I might ask you when there's a steady breeze, and I might ask you when it's an extremely subtle just wafting of air, you know, because I want to know, are you paying attention to that as well? We're, we're looking at how well are you moving through the bush? Are you just pushing your leg forward through a sword fern, or are you trying to move the sword fern out of the way so that you can step through there without making noise? I'm looking at how well are you predicting where the animal's going on the landscape, you know, and, and so it is a, an assessment of, of your woodsmanship and outdoors, you know, person skills. Yeah. And like, you know, we
3: mentioned a couple times, we're judging the trail while you do that, and we're seeing do you push that sword fern out of the way where the trail is easy, but stop doing it where the trail is very difficult? And that's kinda how we start to see these clear breaks in people's skill levels. Because someone who's comfortable on a very difficult trail, they're gonna push that sword fern out of the way no matter what the trail looks like. Whether they've lost it and are, have been searching for it for 10 minutes or whether it's, you can see tracks disappearing 20 yards into the distance, so.
4: Yeah,
6: and that and that that's, that's a good point,
3: Ryan. Yeah, they do they do they do everything well when it's very difficult. That's what someone who's good at it's going to do. They're they're seeing everything
6: and they've got their head up and they're being quiet where it's hard. <laughs> and, and and like you said, when yeah. when you lose the trail, um, we all lose the trail. Like I, I have not met someone that can follow a hard trail without losing it, It, there might be some substrates and some trails that are so easy that you're not gonna lose it. But for the most part, we all lose the trail constantly and and we're looking at um, how well you find it, how efficiently, um, if you can find it when it's really hard to find. Um, But I just wanted to bring that up like, you know, we're not following a trail without losing the track, we all lose it. Yeah,
1: but it's having we don't, we don't just lose it. Right. There, there there's right. techniques and tactics to, to, you know, reef, you are not always going to refine it. Right. But in my old tracking or old tracking, like the way I would go about it before, like, you know, once I lost it, I'd be like, well, you know, I didn't know about, Well, look at let's work this out and come look back for to your last track, track and look and for the
6: travel routes, Look for the travel work routes, them
1: methodically
6: track traps, yep.
1: you know, like, track Oh, there's traps. a track trap over here. M- you yep. know, the substrates change to mud or sand yep. or snow, something that's going to give you confirmation.
6: And that's something that Audrey and Lowe, who's a, a, a master tracker in the cyber tracker system told me is that the difference between a senior tracker and someone that's not a senior tracker is a senior tracker. Isn't going to go home when they lost the trail. And there are times when we lose it and can't refind it, but I might put in three, four hours yes. you know, before I give up. Like last year, we, we
1: trailed a bear into an elk bedding area, and we spent an hour, the three of us, working that out mm-hmm. and until and, and we figured it out and mm-hmm. got back on the trail of the bear. Mm-hmm. And that was an, a big moment for me that that moment that was like the biggest takeaway and that gave me this whole new confidence in you know you don't have to have snow you you know you don't have to have like these substrates you're going to find little pieces of that track trap or whatever to to give you that evidence that you need and man i mean going into uh elk season going into my hunting after that it was like, you know, we have John Sadler here, and me and John uh, hunted elk together last year. And we, we came into a situation where we were having a hard time finding elk for a while. And then once we found them, and we bumped, you know, we, we fooded up, and then we fooded up again. And uh, we were kind of at the ready of just to give up. And I was like, why don't we just see if we can follow these two bulls and see where they went? And it was a tough it was a super tough trail It was a super tough trail (laughs) and we were and and because of the the stuff i'd learned then was like that gave me you know the tools i needed to to find those bulls and you know we worked it out for several hours and followed them a long ways until
5: we blew it again
1: yeah (laughs) but but, but we but we felt we 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 were on them (laughs) you know yeah um and this year it, all these little things add up, you know, aging yeah. has become something that I've started to really focus on. And I, I didn't really, I'm sure that was showed to me last year, but it was, um, I'm kind of a slow learner. And so I was like, really like, and, and that's like a forever quest of, of aging the trail. Right. But, but just picking up the bruising of the plants, like I've mentioned, or, uh, you know, the way they'll get up onto a log to, or, 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 you know, scratch, scratch a tree or, or the flagging of vegetation. I mean, there's there's so much more than to, to just the track. So why don't we get into the how how you ended up here, John, and,
5: oh, I ended up and here. where where you're
1: from and what you're what uh, what you're doing here.
5: Oh, so I live in Sisters, Oregon, and I met met you, James, about four years ago on a antelope hunt, and we hit it off. Um, and, uh, yeah, we've just been in contact the past few years, meeting up at bow shoots and went elk hunting last year, and you invited me on a bear hunt, and about three weeks before the hunt, you call me up and go, oh, we're actually, we're going to do the Cybertracker evaluation. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I, yeah, I was game, I was like, alright, that's different than I thought, but, uh, Sounds great. I've always wanted to uh, to learn more about tracking. And <clears throat> I'd looked at, I think I'd actually looked at the Cyber Tracker website maybe okay. 10 years ago. Okay. Yeah. And I was like, evaluations, no workshop. I was like, how do you learn this? And I was like, I don't think I have the skills to be evaluated. And after coming to this evaluation, I, I think it's a brilliant system, just evaluating and giving feedback and telling you what you need to go learn on your own because sure I, there, it's been really helpful tracking bears with you guys the past couple days seeing the trail when the trail gets hard kind of having the guardrails so you guys saying oh it goes that way and, and then your eye picks up on it um, but a lot of it is just uh, think you got to put in the time on your own to uh, develop those skills and having the evaluation system just uh i don't know it gives you the feedback and lets you know where you're at um i'm getting
6: But you did well um like you clearly had followed some animals you know yeah just
5: in hunting situations and whatever walking deer trails and walking around the woods yeah yeah uh, yeah, so James James invited me on a bear, bear hunt, turned into a <laughs> Cybertracker evaluation <laughs> slash bear hunt. And uh. and we had two other guys that
1: have, are not here on the podcast. They've had to go home.
6: Yeah, my good friend Matt, Matt Brinkman and then Dustin Hefker came in. Yep. Yeah. Uh, uh, border Patrol Man Tracker. Yep, Man yeah. Tracker, uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: uh, located in Montana now. He's from the southwest. Yeah. Uh, that was great getting to meet Justin and, and Matt, and those were Really appreciate you having those guys in camp, and, yeah. and and you know just things like this always attract great dudes or great folks. I think. Yeah, for sure. So,
5: what are some of the takeaways so far, John? Takeaways from the eval, or
6: from
1: the from the eval. The we'll get eval. into the we'll get into the bear hunting
5: here next. The eval's the hot seat, but I kind of like the hot seat. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I aced it or anything, but I, I uh, it's it's intense having. Uh, you know, Preston and Brian, that are uh, so skilled, just right there, and you got to prove yourself. Find find the trail and tell,
1: tell them how they interact with you during this evaluation. They
5: give, uh, they give you very little. You might you might be looking, hoping for a little uh, poker faces, right? Yeah, full <laughs> poker face, uh, and uh, they just come up and are are uh asking you questions you know are you where's your last track you're like uh how did you get here back there yeah Yeah. how did you get here what do you want to do right now yeah (laughs) um what are the animals doing you're on the spot with yeah i i did not
1: perceive that when it was my turn like and i'm watching i i went last on day one and i was just like "eh, this is fun and then they're like all right it's your turn and it was like i hit a stone wall (laughs) like i had to like stop and to close my eyes and like turn off uh, a whole bunch of spinning wheels i had going on yeah that's
3: hard getting thrown into uh for
1: for for traditional archers listening to this it's simply the difference of shooting in your backyard or going to a shoot, a fun shoot, quote unquote, where you're just going out there flinging arrows with your buddies, to going to a tournament that you actually care about, that you've actually been practicing for. Um, and it might be just a, it may not be a tur- like a, a sanctioned tournament. It might even be just like you're keeping score and you wanna beat all your friends. For, you know, if you're competitive, like some of us are, you know, I, I can find myself that way. And it, it, that pressure can be really real. And I definitely experienced that. It, well,
4: it sure.
6: is real, and and Louis, uh, recognized that when someone can, operate under that pressure, and still follow very difficult trails, they're um, operating in a mindset where they will stay calm because this developed in Africa when a, a rhino is charging them or or something like that, and and, and so it does simulate um, it, a lot of pressure. Yeah. Got to handle your nerves. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yep.
3: Don't drop your bow and run. <laughs> it, it
1: <laughs> Damn it, Jesse. Um, yeah. And and I did. I, I I didn't come to this hope hoping for. I didn't have any um, goals or didn't expect to to do as good as I did. My um, you know, I told these guys before it started. I'm like, if I don't know how this stuff's rated. But I would probably say these guys are level tens, and I'm a level two. Um, and so if 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 I can bump up a level uh, of my own skill set here, you know, to, to uh, in my mind, you know, from a two to a three. Not the, de- the and this isn't an evaluated one to ten, but that was just how the conversation we had amongst the four of us, not with yeah. the evaluators. Um, I thought it was going to be, you know, a win. And then after we were evaluated, it was good. Like I le- definitely learned some really good stuff during the um, uh, the feedback feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we went for a. I mean, John hopped in the truck to go for a bear hunt. And I remember I looked over at John and I was like, "They didn't go soft on us, did they?" Like, and he's like, "No." And I was just like, "Ah oh, man, like I hope they didn't." Like, <laughs> nope. Yeah. Um, so I think that anyone that's passionate about getting close to animals really should give this a hard look. Um, it's a, it's a great, uh, way to gain more, uh, tools and, and, and a better experience in, in the outdoors amongst wild things and wild places.
6: Yeah, certainly.
1: Awesome one. And I super appreciate, uh, like to... Thank you publicly here brian for taking your time to
4: come down here and and, and to be with us and
1: and we're sitting here in beautiful uh rainforest uh sun coming through sitting over the fire we've been eating awesome we've been eating bear meat and and uh striper from the local river oh
6: dude you guys cooked that um that bear from the one your daughter shot last year, in the, in the Dutch oven with the chili verde sauce, Oh, that oh, was so good oh, <laughs> on man. tacos. Yeah, and, and that this is a good transition into
1: bears and bear hunting.
3: Yeah, I just want to say before you do that, like I thank you for having me down here, and Preston, but like I'm love doing this so often. A big portion of the community that we're doing these evaluations for, and not that there's anything wrong with this, they are naturalists, academics, or hobbyists, and not all of them have a hunting background. So, when I do get to go out with, you know, four people that are wanting to do an evaluation that are hunters and have that hunting background, it really gives me a little bit different feeling. <laughs> <laughs> it warms my heart a little bit. <laughs> and, and and hearing your stories about, like, you know, people you've had the pleasure to talk to or meet or get a little bit of mentoring from, and just how much they use tracking, kind of like how I was doing prior to me getting thrown into this, just quietly on your own just because that's just what you do or you think that that's what everybody knows to do. Well, they don't. Yep. and like you said everybody and i'm learning that through you know my work as an educator and my work as an evaluator teaching tracking um to people and my work as a, a first hunt foundation hunt mentor like i i'm recognizing the importance of me like sharing that with people so if, if folks like you gary like Tell them that, like, hey, take some people under your wing and just tell them how important tracking is. Just take them <laughs> out and show them elk sign.
1: Yeah, it's taken for granted. Yeah, yeah. A lot.
3: That's just really. Um, it it meant something to me. It always means something to me when I get to connect with other hunters through this process, and they say they got something out of it. I think that's great. So. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and that's one. Of, that's like one of my goals is like, share this, get it. At, you know that. A reminder basically of how valuable this skill is as a tool for four hunters, yeah. And I appreciate yeah. all that, yeah. So that's awesome.
1: Uh, we, we talked briefly on the phone before you came down, but right out the gate, met here in the woods, and and uh, I referred to you guys as cyber tracker nerds, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all in good la- jokes yeah. and laughs, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, um, but like I said, it came full circle. It's like, okay, uh, I want to join the fraternity. <laughs> yeah,
3: James is saying, Where can I get one of those? Which field god
1: do you think I should get?
4: What do you
3: guys listen to to learn all these bird songs? Like, what bird is that? What's wow, he said? that didn't take long. <laughs> one day, and you're wanting to get some field gods. <laughs> uh,
1: that's yeah, the OCD in me.
3: That's awesome.
1: Yeah, um. So yeah, transitioning uh, into the American black bear. Um, mentioned we first we mentioned uh, uh, that we've been eating bear meat a couple for a few meals here, and and uh, we've got some more bear meat to eat, and um, something I'm gonna uh, thank Preston. I, I've been a bear hunter for a long time, and uh, I've taken several bears, and, and I've taken other people to get on bears, and I've packed out bears, and I've been around a lot of bears. and You know, my job, I'm around a lot of bears. And, and um, I want to speak a little bit about bears, uh, not, not just eating them, but I'll, I'll go to, to eating them. Uh, I traditionally have turned my bears into pepperoni sticks, and it's a culture uh, here locally, I don't know what it's like you know, everywhere else, but the, the the hunting community that I live in, um, bears are taken to, to the butcher shop and mixed with uh, domestic pig, wrapped in casing and be, become uh, summer sausage or pepperoni sticks, and that's it. And it, you know who, that could be anything. You don't know if that's a bear. You know that they could give you beef and you wouldn't know. I mean. Um, so when uh, Alexa shot her uh, bear last year, we butchered it up like we would butcher up an elk, and we put all the roasts away and grind. And, and um, man, folks, if, if, uh, if, if you've been treating bears the way I have been, sh- shame on yourself. Shame on me. Yeah, maybe we shouldn't tell people, but it tastes great.
4: <laughs> Dude, I, I've been hunting elk on
1: many occasions where I'm, I'm in on the herd, and out comes a bear wandering by me, and uh, I'm I'm looking at him like he's just in my way. Uh, while I've got a, I could I can draw a spring bear tag, and I can purchase two over-the-counter fall bear tags. And I really kind of concentrated them only in the spring, just because I had nothing else to do in the spring. And now, man, bears are. I love and I'll get into to why I love them besides the meat like but the meat is so amazing you could feed a bear roast in a in a stew or in a taco or in however you want to prepare it just like you're preparing beef I mean there is a trichinosis so you have to get them up to 160 um you can't serve them rare but everything else it's it's phenomenal it's very special meat and uh it should not be uh Discounted by no means and i won't be letting uh, uh a delicious uh bear walk past me again if it pr- presents a, a a perfect opportunity um, bears are,
6: are fabulous and, and and i will say that um it can there it can be affected by what they're eating yes so if they're if they're living on a salmon stream um or, or something like that. If they're living on a food, food I, base. I had a bad
1: situation with, yeah. with a skunk cabbage bear yeah. that uh, in August, where he'd been on skunk cabbage for probably a month, um, and uh, the the bear, no matter what we did, he was a, he was skunk cabbage. Yeah.
6: So I'm intentional about hunting them when, where, and when they're on a food source that's good and quality yes. and natural. So in the spring, yeah. they're they're on they're on salad. Yeah.
1: And 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 they're very lean. And, uh, uh, very delicious. And, and in the fall, they Acorns can be on masks, on and, berries, and, yeah. and they can get that winter fat on them. And then, um, I've, I've also, uh, wasted a lot of bear fat. I oh, won't ever do that again. Man. Um, you know, that, that, uh, I'm motivated to get a fall bear just to, uh, uh obtain some bear fat to put away for next winter. Um, it's very special. Um. And then, to speak about the bear him or herself, my relationship with bears before was they come into clear cuts and they feed. And I uh, try to make maneuvers uh, to to get into range on them. But I didn't, if you want to really know or understand an animal, learn to track and trail them. our, when we tracked and trailed bear last year, it, it becomes like this intimate experience of how they live their lives, and the behaviors they have, and and how they survive, and how they thrive, and
6: and you're inter- interacting with them.
1: You're interacting with them. You're not just observing them from distance and, and seeing them on a food source, and that that really changed you know, it really changed made a, made it come full circle for me and and made me just completely and totally fall in love with the black bear.
6: <laughs> oh good. <laughs> yeah. Um, good. That's my goal.
1: <laughs> well, uh that's a good goal. Um and we we are joined by a guy who just released a book uh
3: On that subject. On
1: that subject. <laughs> um and, and I would like to acknowledge that. Um, and and I'd like you to uh, tell us uh, what inspired you to do so, and and the process of doing it. I uh, the book is brand new. Um, I was uh, privileged to get my hands on a, a copy before a lot of people did. Um, I got one of his copies that says it was like the it was a proof a proof copy, and and uh, um, once again just reinvigorated my excitement uh for the black bear so i'd love to for you to speak on tell the title of the book and speak on the book a little bit yeah
6: thanks james um the the book is called tracking the american black bear and uh it it's um based on my experiences the trailing bears and learning about them and interacting with them which um I think I said, but it was greatly influenced um, by Brian and by the cyber tracker system, and I just want to recognize that first, you know um, but uh yeah I wrote it uh with the goal of inspiring people um naturalists you know tracker people uh biologists, and hunters um hopefully to spend more time with these incredible animals learn more about them um and and develop a deeper relationship with with bears that's really my goal um with it and and as well as to um also to share this um trailing you know experience to 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 share what's possible and 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 how to do it so the the first half of the book is focused on the mechanics of trailing a bear with the intention of catching up to the animal. And and so I go through the basics of how to recognize their tracks and then how to learn to follow a trail to find it. And it doesn't have to be bears. You know, you can use that first section really to to learn how to track anything. Um, And then I also discuss their behavior uh, so that you can interpret that on the trail and And some of the natural history, um, you know, and breeding biology um, facts of black bears, because all that comes into play. Uh, I was really lucky to have um, seven folks, uh, good friends of mine, um, contribute stories as well, and so th- their stories and my stories are interspersed throughout the book as um, inspirational explanations, basically, you know, of, of what I'm trying to describe. And then the second half, uh, sun showers. <laughs> the The second half uh, is focused on hunting, and um, and I, you know, I recognize that for me, this is putting this book out there um, is uncomfortable for me. <laughs> yeah, you looked uncomfortable just when I bring it up. I know, it, it, I am, man. It, it makes it's me the, really it's nervous. It's the humble part of you, yes. <laughs> because uh, I, I wrote half of the book for people um, that might not be um supportive of hunting bears and just want to learn about bears and then i wrote the other half of the book um for people that that do hunt and and i it makes me nervous that the the hunting part might be too real for the folks that aren't into hunting and it makes me nervous that the the non-hunting part might be too hippie for the hunters (laughs) (laughs) but i think both sides can can um get a lot out of it if they open their mind and, and give it a chance and the the hunting section i I try to explain my philosophy around hunting in general and around hunting bears and and why i hunt mainly with wooden bows um and uh and provide some cool stories and um, a couple techniques on finding them after the shot and cooking the meat and things like that well i think you
1: did a really good job merging uh those two sides together in that book and the and and you really explained that yourself in that, and uh, you really gave the the reader a chance to uh, to pick and choose how he wanted to to uh, navigate that. Um, yeah, I highly recommend it. It was a great read, and I'm uh, blessed to uh, have you as a friend, and and uh, you know have you share that with me. And and when we talk about tracking and trailing a a soft-footed animal it's a whole nother ball game than a hooved animal um even when we did it last year it took me you know a bit to fall back into seeing it again recognizing it again it's and
6: and, and especially like in this environment where the the bear's world is three-dimensional they can get up on logs and go up trees and and go through the thickest stuff that you have to belly crawl through and you know it's and sometimes in stuff you really just
1: can't go into yeah yeah yeah
6: or don't want to or don't want or to, don't want to.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, Himalayan blackberry and stinging nettles and yeah yeah it's it's undesirable most of the
4: time so
6: so I will say James with the book one of my really big hopes is that um, folks who do hunt bears but have never done it like maybe the way they hunt elk or the way they hunt deer um, give that a chance consider maybe getting out of the blind or away from the clear cut and going into the woods after them that way you know
1: Yeah, there is this perceived notion that without hounds and bait or without, or or running into them in a clear cut, that it's not obtainable. Mm-hmm. And it's extremely hard. Yes. Otherwise, you know, yeah. And and what like we were discussing before, you may not track and trail a bear to its bed or to its food source and, and, and get the shot, but you might track a bear into where he likes to spend a bunch of his time, and then you might switch to. Uh, you're still hunting techniques and tactics, or your ambush uh, um, techniques and tactics, or yeah, uh, it, or even spot and stock Sometimes mm-hmm. you just you, all the tools can be used, but this skill can get you into the game.
6: Mm-hmm. And and we talked about this last year. The the reason that I came up here to hunt bears here is specifically because the trailing is good. And I I just, I want that, I I, I want to do it that way. You know, I wanted to track them down and and hunt them that way. Because in the fall, where I live, you're not tracking a bear all the way to catch up to it. And it's much better to still hunt or spot and stalk or things like that. So that's, like, that's, you know, I'm up here here for the hunt more than the kill, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And,
5: John, this was your first bear hunt. It was. (laughs) Yeah, my first day bear hunting was out with... uh, Preston a couple of days ago, and uh, yeah, just like what Preston was talking about, following the animal, seeing its behavior, we we tracked this bear for uh, we got when we got on its trail, it was a day old, and we followed him to his bed that he slept in that night, and then uh, got on fresh uh, fresh tracks after he came out of his his bed and found where he probably winded us the wind was swirling going pulsing up and down this this river creek bottom we were in and yeah it was just really really cool to watch two days of a bear's life yep
4: yeah it's awesome um, was but,
1: it yeah. was
5: it your first time eating bear meat yeah yeah that yeah. Uh, that chili verde bear tacos, tacos in the in the dutch oven yeah yeah that was my first bear meat and it was delicious
1: yeah i've a lot of times like the when i started buying antelope points it's because i ate some antelope and was like (laughs) oh yeah pronghorn's amazing like i gotta buy a preference point you know when i the first time i ever went elk hunting is because my stepdad wouldn't let me steal elk meat from him (laughs) anymore and he's like you gotta go get your own elk son and um so I've always been pretty meat-driven, mm-hmm. but like I said, with bear, it, it it became just like a thing to scout elk and to get out into my in, into my backyard, and 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 now uh, I, I'm lip, licking my chops. <laughs> and they're such an amazing.
6: They're not an ungulate, you know. They're different. They're just they're they're uh, social with each other they're intelligent yeah. um, you see them eating like yeah. with their hands left you know, left hand right hand
1: just pulling up salad and digging into things and, comical yeah <laughs> and sneaky and s- like, stealthy. Like, like like they don't run away to like what spooked me they fly like they're methodical in in in, in their actions
5: totally after we uh after we found that That bear track that was fresh and we thought he had winded us and was then leaving the creek bottom he uh we trailed him it was actually it went through a really difficult part of the trail and we lost his trail for a second and it was just it was really cool to see preston work it out it's kind of had this aha moment of like someone who's really good at tracking doesn't see the whole trail it's just they have the confidence to refine the trail, mm-hmm. and they know how to do that. Preston yeah. started, he went through this sword fern that oh, just like looked like he teleported <laughs> out of there, and Preston started just going around the perimeter, and he knew wherever he left that sword fern, he'd pick it up, You know, and 15 minutes later, we were, we were back on him, and speaking to how intelligent, and watching their behavior, he went straight up this hill to where he could get a vantage. It, are they hills here, John? Yeah. Or? <laughs> it's a little hill, you know, straight up this little hill. Cliffy, <laughs> sleepy, sleep. Uh Yeah, all fours, four wheel drive. Four wheel drive. And uh, straight up this uh, hill until uh, he got up on this log to where he had this vantage and could look back down into the creek bottom. And uh, yeah, just watching the way, uh, once he had picked up our wind, Seeing his behavior after that was super interesting and just, yeah, seeing the personality of the bear, was cool. And,
1: and I'll set the stage here. Me and John, I, I think, would agree that we're real blessed to, to, for the, after the valuation, we're, we're in a situation where we're getting uh, mentored, if you will. Um, (laughs) we're switching back and forth. So John goes out with Preston and I went out with Brian and then we switch up and I get to go out with Preston and you get to go out with Brian. And and so we're getting to watch these guys, high level senior trackers, evaluators doing, doing their thing. And there's no more poker face. We get to ask questions (laughs) and, and, um, and learn along the way, not just about the bear trail, but about the bear's life. And, uh, and how they use the landscape and it, it's been super informative once again. And, um, me and Brian, we, we put on some miles and went into, a a, a pretty well vegetated, nasty hole that, uh, was home to quite a few bears.
3: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed.
1: <laughs> um, maybe tell the, tell our first, uh, story of going out and and hunting that drainage
4: okay yeah might be
3: a bear right over there right now
1: douglas squirrel douglas squirrel That's alarming yeah yeah I, when i when i uh Can't tell which side is it it's over there oh, it over there yeah okay. this side something like it's back when i right headed there. up the hill this morning to drop yeah. the kids off at the pool i seen some bear tracks
3: <laughs> uh, yeah that was that was a great little spot it was a long walk um just down a grassy road. there was kind of quiet for the first mile or so, and then we picked up a fresh track. It had been raining overnight, and that track, it was fresh, but it had definitely had some, some rain, but not all night. We debated, didn't like the direction it was going. It was a little bit smaller track, so we kept going and just started running into tons of like day old sign, day old sign, day old sign and of bears just cruising up and down that road eating grass and little green forbs and yeah we ended up getting on not a long trail but
1: um, a difficult was, trail because of the terrain
3: yeah the terrain it was like we'd would been seeing it was clearly fresh tracks that they hadn't had any rain in them and it had been rain, stopped raining for, like, less than two hours. So there was, like, hours-old tracks in front of us on this road and um, followed those down the road for several hundred yards till they left the road. And I'm not sure if the bear just left the road because it wanted to get off the road and chose a little drainage to go up or might, it might have hurt us on the road. But it went up into some, just a nasty. And, and I one was one of those draws where we stood there and looked at it. And I'm looking at this little, little, tight little narrow gulch of a draw and salmonberry and vine maple choked and I'm looking at the two little spur ridges on either side of it thinking yeah it could be like looking for a bed up there just hiding from us and Looking at the draw, thinking, uh, do I really want to go up in there? <laughs> it,
1: it took us an, about an hour and yeah. a half to get up there, and it took us about five minutes to get back down yeah. to where we started.
3: And that's just because we needed to go quiet. that slow to be that quiet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, yeah,
1: probably. Four-wheel drive, climbing through things. It, it and...
3: probably still hurt us coming and didn't like completely bail out of there but spooked enough to where it it went around and got we heard a different it and, cover yeah and and
1: we found where it was sitting and probably
3: where... walked a little semicircle around us on the opposite mm. side of the draw and just left
1: yeah and we, well, we just, caught up to where it yeah. where it had been sitting and defecated yeah. and and we heard it on the other side of the draw and at one point there was something right in my right in my outside of my comfort range where i thought if he were to make the mistake of stepping out i had an arrow knocked i thought this could
3: happen i mean it's 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 always possible looking at that going Man, that's way too far <laughs> that's why i walked back up to am like it's over there in that huckleberry we're not gonna i was like that's only like 35 40. he's yeah. like that's pretty far and i'm like ah <laughs>
1: feeling good so, we'll yeah, see
3: we kind of reached the point where all right now we're just tracking and not hunting and i wanted to hunt with you so yeah. we we bailed on that we walked out of there and left that bear alone and and because uh, you kept promising it was gonna get better <laughs> it's gonna get better it's gonna get better and as far as the bear sign goes it did it, yes it yeah did. we just only saw more and more
1: we were observing yeah. uh uh talk about some of the behaviors you know with the the grinding and the straddling yeah and...
3: so we call it like a ritual trail where they um and you usually see it at like some sort of junction point in the bear's routine right where the bears come together and they're you know they're so their olfactory system they live by their nose you know a bear's you know their their nose is their radar for them and so they communicate with each other and they protect themselves and you know use their sense of smell as a defense you know against things that could harm them or finding food sources and communicating with other bears they're just so driven by their nose. and the world of scent that like, I can't imagine what it would be like to smell what they smell. You know, I think, you know, it's, it's, I guess, equivalent to like, you know, your dog right? a bloodhound. Mm. They just have an amazing sense of smell. So they're operating, you know, they're two worlds they're operating on their nose and their next probably train of thought is I got to get something to eat. So <laughs> they're operating in that world of food sources and scent. So, but they communicate in a couple of different ways, um, scent wise. And, um, we were seeing quite a bit, like I mentioned, just like trail junctions where their movements bring, you know, might bring different bears together and cross paths or important places like going up to a bed or entering a trail that enters a wetland where there might be a food source that several bears are using. Um, Oftentimes you'll see them just take a series of um, steps where multiple bears and sometimes these can end up being like generations of activity over many years many different bears sometimes it may just show up at where a bear bedded for three or four days but what they're doing is they're taking their front feet and they're as they take a step it's very stiff and they twist their front feet and they take another step with their front foot and they twist it and they'll do that and then You know, later that afternoon, another bear might come through and smell that scent from that first bear, and he'll step in the same footprints, and twist, and take a next step and twist. And me and John saw that yesterday. We're looking and, you know, sometimes
1: for like a hundred yards or sometimes they can be quite long.
3: And like I was telling you guys, we took a break and I was telling you about the ones up in Alaska where, you know, the brown bears are walking through these muskegs. It's just basically alpine swamps or. this is what they call the swamps up there and it's it's peat bogs basically is what it is that's grown back up with moss and stunning trees and so you get these like massive brown you know six seven eight hundred pound bears making um doing that for since the last ice age yeah right and you end up with these these alternating potholes where these bears for decades have just stepped in the they they go into the muskeg from whichever direction they came to, they might hit that entrance into that clearing or that meadow and they just walk through it. And th- those can be quite long.
1: And, and essentially yeah. it's it, for like, well, for, for deer hunters, it's, it's like a community
3: scrape. It's like a community scrape. And yeah, like I was saying, the, the next bear that comes through there, he's gonna walk in the same place and twist his feet, whether it's a year, you know, a two year old yearling uh, or
1: you and know, during the rut, uh, I imagine yeah, they're laying
3: down year some
4: urine female, and stuff. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And also, like we saw a few, you actually pointed out a couple straddle, tr- you know, salmon berries that had probably been straddled. I think it was black or, huck.
1: Black huck. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And uh, I talked about, I showed John one too on a little alder tree that was probably from last year and the leaves had started to turn back up this spring. Um, just where they're the bear, and it's typically like, it, well, males and females will do it, but they're They're just, they're finding a a sapling tree on a trail or, you know, it's it's usually on a travel route where it's identifiable. They may do it all over the landscape, but um, where it's the bears just walking over it on all fours. They get the sapling underneath their chest and they just walk across it and just dribble urine on the tree. And it oftentimes pushes the bush or the little sapling over. And then, you know, it's just a scent marking and you'll see that like right right before the bear rut a lot you'll see a lot of those scent mark trees I think the females do it too
1: and we're heading into the rut now now, yeah Yeah.
3: and uh May
1: June
3: so yeah we were seeing on that road system we were popping up seeing a lot of um that ritual trail marking where they're twisting their feet and stepping in the same footprints and I kind of commented to you guys like I was kind of surprised at how little bite tree sign there that we saw um, given the bear density in there, I don't know why that is, but, um, where they're, they're rubbing, they're going up to trees on long, old overgrown roads or along trails or trail junctions. And, um, and that'll oftentimes have a ritual trail going up to that bite tree and then leaving that bite tree. And
1: and they'll kind of rub and their so back, they
3: stand up on their back feet and rub their back for scent marking. And oftentimes they'll reach up over their head with their claws and scrape the tree and, you know reach around with their head over their back and take a bite out of the tree so we just call them bite trees and they're just it's just a scent post and some you know a bear could do it one time or there could be same thing generational bite trees where you're just you know like on a lodge pole where the thing's just coated with sap and there's bear hair stuck all over it and claw marks all over it and you know it's pretty cool to see those and that's and the one we saw the one we talked about we stopped and talked about one on a like maybe a 14 inch alder Mm -hmm. and uh it had just the bark was polished Polished. smooth and the ground you could see the bear's back feet you know in front of that tree and a little rectangle where the the ground was denuded from bears rubbing their feet and the tree was polished and only Mm -hmm. had one bite that looked like it'd been done this year Mm -hmm. and but the tree had clearly been rubbed for years and years and years um, but yeah, it was like so few of those to see, I was kind of surprised that, so it's something new for me. I'm like, well, I guess some bears don't do bite trees as much as others. So <laughs> I'm always learning. I keep an open mind. So I can't say, oh yes, if you have high densities of black bears, there's going to be bite trees at every road junction you know, on an old logging road. And it's just not true. So yeah. you, you gotta, you know, you see what you see and you can't like, man, trailing, that don't deal in the world absolutes like what <laughs> when you think you got it figured out that's when you get you know presented something new to learn from yes so um
1: that was a really yeah. awesome hunt it was a long like 11 mile drainage and yeah
3: it was really cool walking down through there yeah and
1: yeah we we were treated at the very end with uh a, a young bull and his mother cow elk and they yep.
3: came out and yeah you didn't even flinch she was Walking right up behind you, checking you out, yeah. head faking.
1: Yeah, we were sitting there for quite a while. We had a, I thought at one point she was gonna s- come and step on me. <laughs> that
3: close, huh?
1: Oh, five oh, yards. Yeah, oh, cool. Was, yeah, yeah cool.
3: you know. Yeah. Close enough where you could hear her taking big Burp. draws of air. <sighs> inhaling, oh. you could hear her inhaling. Yeah. inhaling. Oh, neat. And yeah, then she'd
1: grab cool. the grass and you could hear she wasn't just biting it, she was ripping it up by the roots. She was like, <laughs> I kept hearing <laughs> like, oh, man. Huh pretty cool yeah that's neat yeah and then we yeah. had a coyote it was it was a, it was a cool day tons for of bear sure sign in yeah, there. tons of bear sign
3: but yeah that was like you know we used we used tracking some but you know it wasn't it wasn't our whole day no because it made more sense to hunt to still hunt to yeah. still hunt that road than to and there was a, a couple of other bears we like followed trails just to, to see what they look like we followed that one larger that big bear and he went male. into something
1: we went into
3: something terrible, and, and it was clearly a fresh trail. Yes. You know, we but saw like six. That doesn't make sense for what we want to keep doing. doing. So
1: we're, we saw like six yeah. or seven beehives that have been dug up yeah, out of the ground. Yeah. Beehives yeah. That mm-hmm. were beehives, and one of them, like he had just done it, yep. like right now, like we had just, yeah, we just missed him.
3: Yeah, and that could have been why we had trouble finding his trail from that point on. There was he was playing older rain on stuff. He yeah. could have like hurt us and yeah or winded us and yeah like bailed and got all sneaky and went right. into the brush and we just didn't have the patience to listen
4: and
1: yeah, shooting stumps yeah. I also um that the, the bear we did go after as we got real you know got within that 70 yard area we didn't see him but we knew we were getting close because we were getting that you know bears kind of to me have like a maple syrup smell they have this sweet yep. smell mm-hmm. and and I was smelling him on the bushes and then we had this foul smell that turned to be he, he had he had laid a deuce out that was mm-hmm. next level stinky <laughs> yeah uh, um um but before we got to that point, the jay alarmed us oh that was
3: after that was after oh, the bumblebee it, we went down in there yeah it dug that bumblebee nest and we it went down in from that bumblebee nest, nest back down into that like i'm that's think, right I'm thinking i'm breathing now we're up out of that gnarly thick stuff we yeah. just made our way up out of that gnarly gulch and it was super thick salmonberry where we we're down on all fours just trying to keep quivers and bows from hanging up on brush and trying to be as quiet as we can and we get up into like you know some sword fern that's got enough dirt in between it where it was i could track it pretty quick and we covered some ground and found that bee nest. And we could smell the bear. It could smell where it urinated. Hmm. and Yeah, I'm we like thinking it's probably in a bed up here and we've spooked it, which we probably did spook it. And it, you know, we found that bee nest and then it like goes back down into the thick shit. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay, it's gonna be that kind of day. It's and we, we so the, yeah then we then followed the J, it we, yeah. we followed it we worked our way down, down through there and came back up out of that the second time, time back into the ferns on the side of the ridge, and that's when when we heard the snap, yep a couple of snaps and then the jay started going off and we were we were less than a hundred yards from that yep yeah,
4: mm-hmm. and, yeah that tra-
3: was and trailed into where it was like in a the top of a, an old dead myrtle had fell and so it, it went straight into that all those dead branches and there was hole. Oh little depression in there and there was bear tracks oh, facing cool. all different directions in the cool. dirt right there and then it it bailed out of that and went down towards where the jay was going off
1: oh neat yeah do you have anything to add uh pressing on bear
6: sign or no that's great interpretation yeah, from was. ryan yeah there you go. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would love to have the bear's nose for a day <laughs>
4: and see what it's love like hate yeah I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They
3: don't um, seem to mind the stinky stuff though, do they? Yeah. Rolling around in it.
4: Yeah.
1: We had a cool encounter yesterday. Yeah. Um, let's 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 chat chat that chat that up.
6: Yeah, that was super fun. Um, we pulled into this old road and these roads are like decommissioned roads. Some of them are walkable, some are covered in brush. Um, they're old, old roads. But we we pulled into one and we were in the car for like thirty seconds talking and then you shut the car off and, and we got up and got out and got our stuff together and sort of walking down this road and I guess we weren't expecting there to be a bear like right there but when we stepped out of the vehicle onto that grassy road there was a smoking fresh trail in front of us I mean that first leaf I picked up that had been broken had juice coming out of the stem and we were like this, this bear's close um and you could just beautiful flagging way down the road you could follow it easy and 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 we just crept from the flagging the, the, in the flagging, yeah, yeah, yeah the just, plants when they step on tall plants, it you know gets pushed under their foot, and so it lays in the direction that they're going, and we call that flagging. And sometimes that's bushes that are parted. You know, um, it can be as simple as one you know false lily valley leaf, or it can be a, a whole salmonberry pushed over. Um, but this was in the grass, and he was feeding meandering on the road, um, and we, we went about maybe 500 yards down across the creek and back to their side. And and right where the trail right where the substrate changed from that easy flagging to moss, um we lost the trail, right? I couldn't see it anymore. And and, and I just And he was feeding, so he was, he was kinda feeding. going he was up and circling down. Circling around yeah. and stuff. But the substrate changed and it got hard enough to where I wasn't sure if I just wasn't seeing the trail and he was still on the road. And so we continued down that road to a landing and figured out that um he had actually come up that ridge, and fed up the road, and then turned up the hill, and and gone around to the main road that we drove in on, and probably can't looped back around and was feeding, and that was and and so we had to go all the way back to the moss. Probably
1: what he had done in the last hour.
6: Yeah, yeah, yeah. that that mm-hmm. middle of the day, you mm-hmm. know, because this yeah. was late afternoon. Yeah. So middle of the day, he came up out of the bottom, and was feeding his way up, and turned around and started feeding his way back, and and right where that trail hit the moss. He churned and bailed off the ridge. And so we we actually realized that when we pulled in in the car and we're sitting in the car for 30 seconds, he had bailed off the ridge and ran down underneath us and slipped away. And um, and what was nice about where this drainage was that it was big old growth firs. And the, the, the understory was really open. We could see all the way across the drainage. Little sword firm bushes, some Oregon grapes, some you know lush, soft duff with with you know the redwood sorrel growing and and so it was easy for us to move through that, so we we got on his trail after spooking him, you know and he went he went straight down this steep hill, um, got on a log, crossed the creek, went in between those two huge firs, and then he got on another log on the on the finger ridge on the other side of that creek. And right there... Do you think they're getting on the log? There's a behavior there, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a travel route. They're, they're comfortable on logs, but it also is quieter. And, and they're thinking about scent. They're, they're trying to be evasive for scent. But it also, when they're not leaving scent, it, they're not leaving tracks, too, sometimes. Um, Their um, maneuvers to not leave scent also don't leave tracks sometimes. So I think it's both. But he was trying to evade us, you know. <clears throat> and um, is this okay with water? Yeah, it's rain. It's okay. raining here. <laughs> it, 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 we're, just, we're just gonna roll I with it. I can see blue okay. oh, yeah. you call those uh, Oregon sucker Coast? Hole. Yeah, sucker holes. A sucker <laughs> yeah. hole. Yeah. Um, so when that bear got up on that other little finger ridge and churned off that log, he did it in a sneaky place that we couldn't see the trail through Salal and Oregon Grape, and and but I could tell that he didn't go anywhere else because this ground was soft and we'd see it. So assuming the bear went into that Salal and Oregon Grape we didn't want to walk in there because it would be really loud so we went down the finger and worked our way around the edge of that loud waxy brush cut his trail coming out of it and like 20 yards down the hill he went into the ravine right there and and we stopped there because looking on the north face of that slope it was thick with vine maple and stink current and salmonberry and and we stood there for five minutes and both of us looked at that and said, you know, that's security cover. Um, the wind was coming up strong in our favor up the draw, you know, and we um, we should have stayed there longer. We should have. We should have. If we had have, we, we probably could have gotten a shot because that side of the hill was open.
1: The, the arm the armchair quarterback in me was like, yeah, like hindsight. He, he, and his security cover was like a football field. And yeah. We, and it was like a bowl in there. We kind of had him surrounded in yeah. a way, sort yeah. of.
6: And But, you know, yeah. Beyond the security cover, it was open woods again. So, so I... We chose, we, we chose a, uh, an aggressive move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we, we went up above the thicket to stay in the open woods and try to cut his trail coming out of it. And as we were getting up just to the top edge of it, you heard some, uh, some brush move against his fur. But the wind was blowing, so we weren't sure. So we froze. And a couple minutes later, we heard it again. And then again, and we knew that he was down in yep. there. And
1: I'd seen a black flash. You saw in a the, flash,
6: yep. yep. Yeah. And then you got up on that
1: stump. And looked down, and I first thing I saw was flagging, where the salmon berries has been totally pushed over. And I was like, well, he's got to be. And then all of a sudden, I could just see bear's face. And I've seen them do this before. Um, Necks stretched up oh, yes. as hard as yeah. they can, nose up in the air, and, and, and just trying to work out scent.
6: And, and right then the wind had been coming up the drainage pretty hard the whole time. And right before he did that, it stopped. And it just started kind of circling and softly wafting down into where he was, you know? Yes. He yeah. probably smelled you. He's he just it. trying to pinpoint where yeah. you were. were. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so yeah. you saw him do that and then you saw him drop down and move, right? Yep. And 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 um and so we decided to send yeah. james yeah
1: you you looked at me and you were like basically let's go for the
6: old-fashioned push yeah so J- so james went up and around to get on that other side of the
1: a likely place that he would get pushed
6: out of there yeah and and then i waited about 15 minutes and then slipped into where he was and tried to either get close to him or, or push him to you mm-hmm. and in my from my perspective when i first seen him.
1: I get excited easy, so like I had to like (laughs) calm my nerves. So like I was like, "Okay, we were actually on them. Like this could happen." And then when Preston came up with the idea to do the soft push, uh, I I, when I get over there and I'm set up, and you know I got myself cleared the ground, got an arrow ready, got myself in a position where I thought that I, you know, I could capitalize if if this happened. And eventually, when Preston came his way slowly, I you know thought maybe. Preston
6: was the bear so oh man my nerves started I was like oh this is gonna work and uh Tur- turns out when after he had smelled us and you saw him move he he slipped out of there and he went right past where you yeah, ended so, up sitting so
1: when you yeah. you met up with me yeah you picked up his track within 10 yards of where I was sitting yeah yeah, yeah. so you're
6: in a good spot and and what was super cool was once he
1: which he got he, he passed
6: through there before I got to where I was sitting. Yeah. Saving. Yeah. He beat yeah. me to my spot. Because you were trying to get there quietly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I told you to go slow. <laughs> yeah.
3: If you hadn't you might have just seen just him. Said, Run over there yeah. as fast as you can. <laughs>
6: um, but what was super neat was once he smelled us and decided to sneak off, he went through that vine maple thicket without us hearing one sound. Nothing. No crack of a branch, Nothing. no swish of a brush. Just just gone. Yeah. Like a ghost. Yeah. yeah they're so cool
3: it is amazing how they can go from you can hear limbs cracking and you think it's well it's either a bear or a herd of elk coming and <laughs> it's a bear yeah and then they can just your crack They'll... crack snap and then dead silent and then it's there right in your lap before you know it yeah and you're like how did it get from over there to here
6: without making yeah any more noise yeah they can just
3: they're so cool turn it on turn it off or
6: I think that in this really thick brush, they they use that sound as a communication method.
3: I've heard other people say the same thing and experience that too, yeah. Yeah. Meaning?
6: Well, they can't see each other. And if they can't smell each other, um, you know, some some of them want to avoid running headlong into a a bigger boar, or some of them might be looking for each other. And so, like, oftentimes, I've been tracking in this really thick stuff, and you hear that, like one one stick break you know and and they're kind of like waiting to see what what sound you make and and if you don't make any sound sometimes they come in to investigate or sometimes they just circle around to smell you but but it seems like sometimes it's intentional that that break of this of the stick that mm. they do it seems like it at, li- at least mm. yeah i don't know <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah and we could be just giving them too much credit, and they could they could be thinking the same thing we're thinking when we're hunting. They could snap a branch and in their head they're thinking, "Shit!" Yeah.
4: Made a lot of noise. <laughs> yeah,
3: I've heard I've heard other people say that.
1: Yeah. But when they intentionally want uh, want to go into uh, uh, stealth mode, man, they they're, uh, they're the master. Yeah. So that, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, any 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 uh, anything you want to add, John?
5: Mm, I don't know. I've just, uh, I've just really enjoyed uh, the past few days here <laughs> going through the, uh, the tracker evaluation and then, and, uh, hunting with, uh, with Brian and Preston is, man, it's been cool. It's, it's invaluable
6: in, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Hanging out in camp, eating good food. Yeah. yeah uh,
4: totally shooting
6: out. bows. Shooting bows. All of it. Yeah. Yeah. John's got a Gorgeous self bow that he's scared of dinging up, so I won't bring it in the woods. <laughs> <laughs>
4: oh, baby stabs, baby <laughs> stabs. Yeah, yeah.
6: Someday.
0: Someday.
5: It's too beautiful to carry in there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm just addicted, yeah.
5: Can't can't give up the fiberglass. Nah,
1: so it's all good.
6: It's all good.
5: Is there anything
1: um do you have you guys have a maybe a, a s- story that's related to what we're talking about that may you know that obviously didn't happen uh, here, but uh, s- something you might we might leave the listeners with a uh, uh, a cool bear story or something like that, Brian.
3: Cool bear story? Oh my gosh! It, it doesn't have <laughs> to be hunting. Maybe it was just something with
1: through cyber tracker, or just uh, or or some something some, some kind of cool bear story. <laughs> put you on the spot. Yeah. I do that a lot.
6: That kind of did put me on the spot. I could tell a short one while you think. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. We'll point. go. Yeah, because yeah, you just, were next. So. Just, oh yeah. Well, just the other day, I was out um, fall, trying to look for a bear to follow, just to follow them, because I like to learn about them, interact with them, and um, it, it hasn't. It's a really dry year in California. It's really scary. The creeks are low. The, the you woods, live in Northern California. Northern California, Humboldt County, and it's just really scary how dry it is already. um And uh, when I went, and because of that, it's more difficult for me to trail the bears to to stay on the same trail. So I got into this spot that I that one of my one of my you know honey holes for tracking bears. And um, when I got up into this junction of old roads that they like to feed and mark in, there was a trail flagging in the grass um, going up this road. I couldn't really tell how fresh it was. I followed him up the road. looked like a big bear too, and I followed him up the road a few hundred yards and then he turned and he went into the woods and the place he was going was a, a place that they like to bed. That's where Matt took us into. And, um, and in through the woods, it was just really hard to stay on his tracks. The, the alder leaves were crunchy and, um, and, and I, I was having trouble staying on them. You know, I'd go maybe 50 yards and then I couldn't find it. I'd have to look for it. And so I was kind of making this like inconsistent, noise of couple of steps and stopping and looking around and a couple steps this way and stopping and looking around call that the squirrel walk yeah and then like and (laughs) and I think this helped then you know and at one point he he did some cambium feeding on a redwood and I looked at it and then I, I licked the exposed inner bark and I could taste the sugars in it and I was like oh this is fresh and that's when I realized I was pretty close to him and I'd kind of lost the trail where he'd gone up on this old growth stump and around to get to get to this other spot. And I heard a stick break about 50 yards away and an alarm gave, a, a bird gave uh, two little soft alarm calls. And so I went around that old growth stump, found his tracks going up to where that stick broke and I came around another tree and he was sitting there in his bed looking at me like 40 yards away, right? And he was this big, gorgeous, chocolate-colored bear. And just kind of sitting there, looking at me. And I think that he, because of my inconsistent motions, he may have thought that I was another bear coming, you know? And waiting to see what I was. And it was cool, we just looked at each other for 30 seconds, you know, and Mm -hmm. then he turned and took off. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. It it was neat, it was really neat, yeah.
3: That's pretty cool how you can you know they'll just sit down on their butt like a person yeah yeah
6: yeah yeah it was fun
3: that was yeah yeah, i was just trying to brainstorm (laughs) (laughs) like i've had so many cool encounters with bears and it's just like why i love tracking them you know i don't i'm not a bear hunter i don't go out of my way to hunt bears i've never killed a bear
1: and and the The reason is your obsession with the big bird.
6: <laughs> yeah, the big bird. Brian almost got sidetracked coming to camp with my turkeys. <laughs> oh, no, I mean it goes way beyond that. Like I had.
1: You're a turkey guy, though.
3: I had well. A lot of a, turkey guys I mean, don't
1: I'd, spring bear hunt.
3: It's a lot of different little circumstances. I, for one thing, I'm fortunate enough to get enough deer and elk to where i don't really need the meat i don't know like our freezers usually by the winter time our freezer's pretty full of deer or elk or and uh or turkeys yeah yeah, yeah i knew it I knew <laughs> but uh you knew it yeah um but uh like uh so it's that my wife doesn't she's like I have a limit on what I can have at the house as far as dead things. So I'm, I'm way past the limit. Like if something comes in, like a new skull or new shed comes in, you know, or a new hide, something else has got to go. You either got to give it away or store it away. So, yeah, I'm at the skull. The collection's full. I'm at the hide, skull, and dead thing limit. The collection's full. Like tur- number of turkey tails on the wall is... Like, the, the new turkey tails replace the old worn-out ones, and the old worn-out ones go out into the woods.
1: So, I'll take left-wing feathers. Yeah, left but I mean, just the tail fans. But
3: yeah, just, like, so, yeah, like, not bear hunting. I, like, and then there's, like, there's also, there's that working against me and my wife works against me. And, but, like, also, like, I had, like, a spiritual level. Like, me and the bears had an agreement, and it's worked pretty good. Like, I, I told John yesterday this story about getting charged by—I worked in um, Alaska for the Forest Service for a few years in the early 90s, and it was um, down in the southeast where it's super thick jungle, and it was a daily occurrence to bump bears, run into bears, get wolfed at, get little bluff charges. Get black bears or brown bears? Brown bears. There's. Yeah. Uh, I worked out of Sitka, and on Baranof Island and Chichagoff, there's no black bears. It's all— and, um you don't get the black bears you get closer to the mainland some of those islands but um yeah we were constantly running into bears in the second season up there I had an encounter where um the guys with i was paired up with the biologists and we were doing a goshawk survey and he we got charged by a, a female with, she had a couple of cubs we didn't know it and it happened just that fast and she covered a bunch of ground and came out of thick cover and He ended up shooting her. We were on a steep mountainside. And I backed up against a tree. He shoots the bear. She cleared the brush at about 10, 12 yards in a full gallop. Jaw's popping. Um, And there was just a flash. He shot. Her head snapped around. She runs into me and the tree I'm against. (laughs) Barrels up against us. Goes tumbling down the hill. And so, um, stands up kind of lets out a little roar runs back up towards us stands up on her hind legs starts shaking her head and the guy was with terry he shot her again and shot her in the neck and she just dropped dead right there um so that was like that was a bit much for me so i think i had some post-traumatic stress from that experience (laughs)
4: um
3: and then i you know fast forward a few years and i'm living in washington and I'm just having I'm trying to deer hunt trying to do my thing and I keep having these run-ins with black bears <laughs> and I'm following them around through the woods too but me and the bears are doing kind of the same thing we're just out in the woods and kind of where I live and I I got charged by black bears in Washington a number of times um, where I just had them come up and woof at me and growl and get really close and freak me out so I just like that with the combination of the deer hunting I just had like an agreement with the bears like okay I'm not gonna mess with you you don't mess with me and it's it's worked out okay but yeah there's been I have gone I always get a tag every year I get a bear tag and I think okay maybe this year I'll get one maybe I won't and I've had lots of opportunities to I can tell you
1: operate on feel you know like I do I've
3: I've had lots I've had people ask me to come bear hunt like where they have bears around and i've had i've drawn my bow a few times and had them like you know four yards away full draw going Nah, not gonna do it and just so i've been good with that but then like preston invited me down here and you hosting us i'm like eh maybe it's time people started giving me bear meat last year i was like sneaking it into my wife to <laughs> let her try it's like, really good isn't it yeah that elk? i was like nope that's bear <laughs> and uh but yeah but bear stories like i mean I've always i've had lots of cool ones like one of the bears like around the house that you know I told you about also I was telling john about this black bear the first year I lived in the house I'm in now we live on a dead end road there's mountain access from my you know doorstep to thousands and thousands of acres like a 12 mile long 10 mile wide mountain and i can just hit it and uh i had a black bear charge me one spring and he got up right two or three feet from me i could have hit his nose if i wanted to pretty good sized male he's just growling like a bulldog stomping and he he wheels around and he takes a bound after a few seconds of growling in my face and I'm a little panic stricken and ta- trying to talk to him and stay calm. And he wheels around and he gets around from me and he spins and he turns around and he faces me and he sets down on his ass like a human. You know, not quite cross legged, but almost with his front paws resting on his knees. And he just sits there and he leans forward with his head and is and glaring at me. And I'm like, oh shit.
4: <laughs> so
3: I just walk out of there. Well, a few years later, I was following a little black bear um up from the house i'd track, tracked it from really close to our house started on this trail worked up the hill and um that bear went onto a logging road and then went up the logging road a couple of hundred yards and i could see where it was i couldn't really see tracks but i could see fresh browsing and uh thought i was still on it and their bear tracks went up into some reprod and i couldn't tell if they came back down And while i'm standing there debating whether or not i want to follow it up into the reprod about 30 yards up the logging road from me this little bear pops out and so she'd been up in there and she popped back out on the road and i'd seen i'd trailed and seen this bear a couple of times already and actually scared it up a tree um, earlier that spring and walked like a like a dummy walked up to the bottom of the tree and I was looking up at it and it decided to come back down the tree and I was like whoa anyway this bear she pops back down on the road and it's it's late in the evening and she starts feeding away from me with her butt to me and I so I just start creeping along behind her um, trying to stay close to it and I go maybe a hundred yards where and I can't walk quite enough so she's slowly getting further and further away from me and she goes by and I go by and I see movement like right out of the corner of my eye. And this cuts a cut bank on the road for the hillside and up on a stump about 10 feet above me is a coyote and it's watching the bear. And I freeze and I'm 15 or 20 feet from this coyote and it looks down at me. And the coyote goes taking off running and the bear doesn't even look back and it goes taking off. And I was like, what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm it, the, the bear takes off, and so I just run up to where to a bend in the road, and it bailed off the bend in the road, went down in a, a steep little draw, and it was close enough to dark where I'm. It's like, nah, I won't do anything. And then I heard branches breaking up above, so I just waited to see what that was, and I'd walked in the woods just a little ways, maybe 20 yards and I hear another branch break and it's a bigger bear and that bear's coming down and it probably hurt that other bear and the wind is still working up that draw and the way the wind was, I was kinda at a crosswind and that little bear had been running sorta into the wind and dove down and that bigger bear just comes down working his nose like you're describing and he slowly works his way down onto the trail I'm on and it's a pretty worn deer trail And he pops down onto the trail and he spins around and he turns and starts walking straight towards me. And he paused and he would sniff around and I realized there's a big rock right here. I'll just hide behind this rock and let this bear walk right by me. And then when I did it I realized this is incredibly stupid. And uh, (laughs) fortunately he the bear he came he got to within about 10 yards of me and he did the same thing. And i and he, he he's sniffing the winds coming hard up that draw and uh he's sniffing he's sniffing I'm, and i'm i'm imagining he's smelling this other bear and uh he gets about 10 yards from me and he faces like the way the wind's coming from and he does the same thing he sits down on his butt and crosses his legs and puts his arms on his leg and i'm like that's the same bear
4: <laughs> I was
3: like dang it and then i realize, it's now almost fully dark in the woods and I'm 10 yards from a giant bear. <laughs> and so I just, I didn't know whether to get up and leave, but after a few minutes, he just worked his way down towards that other bear and I was able to leave without scaring him off. But,
1: That's a really fun story. Yeah.
3: But I mean, like the coolest thing is, is just having done so many workshops and evaluations um, is just like going out with people that have never followed bear trails and putting them on it and just having them do it themselves for the first time and and you know of course like helping them stay on it when they lose it walking them through it but if just them seeing it's possible and like how much they gain from that it's just been really amazing doing that Mm -hmm. and like the coolest thing is just like a couple of weeks ago recently I was just out with my son just on a walk from the house and first good bear trail i'd seen around the house i was like let's follow it kid he's like all right so we follow the bear about a half mile down to into a little wet area and i'm sitting there with my son my eight-year-old son and i'm like let's go really quiet because this little bench drops off right there and i follow bears into where they bed that cedar tree right there we're like 75 yards and uphill above the cedar tree i'm like that right there i followed a bear into that bed before and he's sitting there with me and we sat there for a good five minutes <laughs> and he's like i want to go home and i was like okay we can go and uh it's it just it was just fun you know doing that with my kid it is and yeah. you know the and i was like let's just wait a little bit longer it's five minutes let's give him five more minutes because if he's down there he might he's gonna smell us and maybe move out of there and uh it didn't but the cool thing was i went back the next morning and picked up the trail where i'd left it off with my son we just turned around at that point went back home and i walked down in there and 50 yards from where we stopped there was a big cedar stump with a bear bed in it Mm. which had bear tracks leaving it and yes. it had left way before me and my kid got there yeah but it was just so and i went back and told my son i was like that bear was bedded right down where we said he was gonna get will was, like, so excited. it. Yeah. yeah and just doing that with people has been like really rewarding yeah. and you know getting to watch people like preston get inspired and just do so much cool stuff, you know. Like, he's now a famous author, <laughs> <laughs> infamous, and well. soon, soon to be, you know, world renowned bow maker.
1: And, uh, we'll start calling him the legend. And, yeah, like, you're I right. get to
3: shoot a, you know, a Preston Taylor original bow now, and I'm just so grateful to like get to share that with people. And
1: so, so, uh, when I share what we're doing here, like, we ran into a guy from work yesterday, or we ran into uh, uh, the game wardens, Oregon State Police in April. Pressing came down. We, we went out and kind of scouted around, did some bear hunting. Um, they look at you like you are bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bonkers. Like, like And guys that are super, like even some of my mentors who are awesome elk trackers, they're like, they they, they, they shrug their shoulders and look at you in disbelief that that could even be possible. Mm-hmm. Um so it, it 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 does almost feel magical because at first, like last year, I was on and playing on some bear trails, and I was working them out, and then I didn't practice at all, and um, you 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 know, and then you a year later, you it takes a little bit of time just to pick it back up, and you start yeah. seeing it. Um, I got a I got one I'd like to end with from this year, um, so I decided to. Me and Preston had already been out and and kind of got a lay of the land. And we weren't seeing a lot of bear sign. Preston did work his way into a small bear and seen a little sign, but we weren't seeing a lot. And I wanted to get back onto the landscape and go bear hunting and also just get a survey if the bears were starting to, you know, the grass is moving up, if I was going to see flagging or, or uh, stumps being torn into, kind of, you know, uh, so we can compare it to when you guys show mm-hmm. up. I didn't have a lot of time. And I was driving down the road, and... And I, I had this thought to myself, I wonder if I saw a bear in the road, no shit, if that's where I would pick up a trail. And it wasn't but a few minutes later, I come around the corner and there's a bear in the road. And I was like, I guess now's now's my now's the time. <laughs> and there's a medium sized bear and bear jumped off the road. And I drove past bear about mm, 100 yards, and park car and I sat there for a few minutes contemplating like did they see a car? And I was like, no, just because they saw a car doesn't mean they're gonna associate me coming after them. You know, I had to like kind of like think about that. and so I uh, got my longbow out and uh, hindsight, I should have, you know, after this weekend, you know I would have went and kind of evaluated the situation more, you know, red, red what was going on but really i just went right to where bear jumped off the road and there it's all happening right there so i'm like i should have went up and had a look hindsight so i stood there for about 15 minutes just listening and then i heard bear down there a little bit so i was like okay uh super steep uh, salmonberry 14 feet high old growth timber Um, I slid down this just sloth where a bear had run, and I got down there about 50 or 60 yards. And I remember before anything had happened, a little bit of nerve, like I didn't have the security of a friend. Uh, Not that that would really say, you know, who who runs faster, I don't know. (laughs) But I was just like, wow, here I am trailing a bear by myself. Um, for the first time. And then I heard something where I thought the bear was going to be to my right. I can see the path of the bear going to my right. I hear something to my left. And I look over, and there's a cub. And my heart just fell out and started (laughs) to pound. And I immediately turned... And ran
4: and, and running
1: in this situation, it wasn't a run. Uh, as John mentioned, four-wheel drive. Um, this is straight up and down draw. Uh, like you, you could. Most people would just sit on their butt and could just slide down the thing. And I uh, got the longbow. I'm in the brush. and I'm only fifty or sixty yards, real steep, and I'm burning out. Like I'm like not going anywhere. <laughs> I'm like I gotta get out of here. And then I hear her huff. And I'm like, this is, and I yeah. I work in the woods, and I've been in this situation before. This is not my first time being between right. sal Sal yeah. and cubs, and <laughs> and I respect the situation, believe me. Um, and so and and I, it, it's obviously it's not legal to shoot a sow with cubs, nor would I want to, and and nor did I w- w- want to to b- bug them. <laughs> I didn't want to see uh, how she felt about it. Um, then another cub. Started coming my way from her like what I thought was her. I look and here comes another cub coming up her trail And then I proceeded to get back up uh, onto the road and I got up onto the road and I heard them unite and Got quiet and nothing else and I sat and listened for a long time and then I went and I read the read what I should have done ahead of time and so what the scene was was I had a cliff on one side of the road, uh, literally a rock face cliff, mm-hmm. and then I had this super steep draw, and it was a hot day. It was about 80 degrees, which is rare for this time of year, and the bears, all three of them, were up on the road, and there was a spring seep, and they were watering off this uh, cliff, off this rock face spring seep, and clear as day, uh, track trap. Uh, there's the Cubs tracks, there's mama's tracks.
4: Oh, cool.
1: And then I went where they exited, which they entered the road about 20 yards down the road. And I walked down the road and I found, okay, this, they came up onto the road here. They were watering. And this is, and w- when the car came, she must've gotten them off the road before I arrived. Mm-hmm. And I just caught her jumping off the road. Mm-hmm. Um So it was very, <laughs> it was super educational and, and something that I, the old Jim would have uh drove him bear jumped off the road I'm like cool I saw a bear today <laughs> and so I got that from it and so yeah I, I highly recommend uh uh people getting out there and and you know it's a lot of us are guilty uh hunting whatever critter we are when we see a critter get away uh uh that we go to find another one and they're just uh, tracking a trail away from uh, having an encounter and, and uh, making an experience.
3: Sometimes, yes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I really once again thank you guys so much for coming down here and and uh, making this all happen. Um, Preston, why don't you plug the book again? Tell people where they can find it. Tell them about your website and tell people one more time about uh, where they can find uh, Cyber Tracker in North America.
6: Yeah. So. Th- uh, TrackerCertification.com is the website for CyberTracker in North America, um, and then uh, my website is TrackerLongbows.com, and I've got the book for sale on there. And um, you're going
1: to be offering um, self bows or
6: staves or both, or um, definitely self bows. If I if I can, I'm building up my inventory of Osage staves, um, so maybe staves as well um, in the future. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm working on that right now, building up that inventory, hopefully. Um, and, uh, yeah, and the book's on there, or you can find it on Amazon, tracking the American black bear. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. This has been great. It's, it's a great camp. I love coming here. Yeah. Thanks for inviting us. I, uh, thanks for coming, John.
1: Uh, it's it's a wrap. Uh, second spring bear camp, uh, and I I hope uh, it becomes uh, something we continue to do in the future. Yeah, yeah. thank you so much, guys.
3: Yeah, I've had yeah. a lot of fun. Thank you for having us down. Having awesome. me down, you up, <laughs> you sideways.
1: Yeah, we got we yeah, uh, we number. had we had a guy from Idaho, a guy from uh, the resides in Montana, a guy that's residing in Washington, California, Eastern Oregon. Uh, uh, really, kind of, we all came together on this one. It was awesome. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Thanks again. Thank you. Like I said, being a show, don't forget to support all the local and national traditional hunting organizations. Send us an email if you guys have any feedback on the shows you've been hearing or have any ideas of some shows you want to hear in the future at TradQuestPodcast at gmail.com. If you're on Instagram, I'll follow us along there. You can see pictures... Of And stuff that we're doing uh, for the show. And keep the wind in your face. Pick a spot and shoot straight.
0: Frosty roar, the sun comes up. The geese are on the wing. The deer are fat and happy. Out there. I've got roses, long bones on the brain, I'm an outdoor junkie through and through.